0: Reveille, revely, dogs. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat.
1: Oh, we are outstanding like Buckingham Palace guards. Hi, everyone. It is Wednesday, the 9th of November, 2022, and it is time for In Studio Morning combat. Hello, everyone. I am merely one half of your hosting duo. My name is Luke Thomas. I join you from the swamps of Jersey City today, where you can go get banged. I'm joined by my hetero life mate, the king of Connecticut, that BC with that CTE.
0: (laughs) Eventually, yeah. Eventually, eventually, yeah. It's Brian Campbell. Hi, Brian Uh, Campbell. Hello. Thank you for welcoming me back to the place, Luke, that I think you can echo with me, that we belong, that I belong. The house of our awards, of our hard work. I love this fucking set. I'm so pumped to be here. Today. Yeah, you know, it is it is pretty shitty, though, to be fair, but like it's like <laughs> but you know, it's kind of like my hometown, right? It just yeah. you know, it just fits. Haven't right? just you done words. this joke before? I feel like you've done this joke. Is before. it a joke or is, a, is it like my? Is it like a life emote? All right, it's just it's just cards know. on the table. How many gummies are in your tummy right Not, now, Luke? I I am a professional broadcaster, and this is a big fight week. So the last thing I want to do is compromise that and come out here and make this show all about me and drop a lot of shit jokes. When you know what the people really want this week, mm. MMA in their face hole. They do. So you know, <laughs> let 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 uh. Let, 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 the, let the real BC come out this week, okay? Okay. mentiras. That motherfucker. Mentiras. Uh What did you just call me? Lies. I'm,
1: I'm, you're The bit about you not having... Uh, lies.
0: Like Neil Magney when my career's over. Standing in the Hall of Fame. Okay. So, Luke, I am just, you know...
1: Uh, all right. Well, we have a lot to get to today. So, we're going to get... Let's, let's see. We'll talk about UFC 281. We'll react to... We had an interview yesterday with uh, the champ you Sonia. We'll talk about a
0: fantastic that. interview. Let's be honest.
1: We'll talk about it in just a second. We'll get to some fan subs. BC is going to go through his top ten. Now, how would you classify this? Top ten MMA MSG moments? Something
0: like that? Uh, the, it, this is in particular to the UFC with okay. with you know the promotion back at the world's most famous arena. I do love the Madison Square. I love the magic, the mystery, the the feel of the garden. I was there for the first three UFC MSG cards. There's been five of them in total. So why don't, why don't your boy BC count down the ten biggest moments? Most of them I was front and center. So uh, it's going to be fun because you know it still matters to me. Ooh. But let's shout out Bellator. They did have two pay-per-view cards there as well in recent years. They
1: did. Real question. Good question for you. What is the best boxing fight you have personally seen there?
0: It's a great question. I would go with... Something with um, Miguel Cotto? No, I would go with the co-main event of Triple G versus Danny Jacobs in 2017. It was uh, Sri Siketsu, Rungvisai, and Chocolatito oh. fighting 12 bloody savage rounds in their first First matchup. one, yeah. yeah say that was um, the first one. That was, uh, that was hellacious, and it was... Uh, it was, it was that good?
1: That's better than anything else you've seen?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've seen some good stuff. I was at Coto Margarito too in 2011. That was like a party right there. It wasn't competitive, but it was, yeah.
1: Yeah, okay, great. All right. we have a lot of stuff to get to today, so thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube. Please hit subscribe if you are new to the show, or I should say you listen on your favorite podcast platform. That's cool. Just give us a nice review there as well. We really appreciate that. Also, if you want to reach the show for today's fan subs for Friday's Dead Wrong, morningcombat at gmail.com is going to be the place to get that done. And, of course, Showtime is the label that pays. If you want to get Showtime, you can get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep but if not, you can bounce. Next week, as I've been telling folks, next week, don't sleep. Bellator has a legitimately oh, yeah. very okay. good card. Usman Nurmagomedov fighting for the, the lightweight title in his weight division, the rematch between Corey Anderson and Vadim Nemkov. That's a solid-ass card they've got. Quick
0: promotion here, okay? Quick promotion. And it, it's not about me. It's not about the hard 10 I'm putting together, and I won't be at Caroline's down the road here in Jersey City this weekend unless they really need me, Luke, to fill in for somebody, really you know what you, I mean? Yeah. Uh, but today... You're not just getting a live MK right now, folks. Right, two eighty one. Let's get fired up. Like, let's get freaky with it today at three p.m. Eastern. There's the type of conversating that two adults can do. Like, you know, agreeing. Like ab- two guys bang. agreeingly. What's that word again? Consensual. Yes. There is some consensual talk that really only men like us can do. And so, how about a live pregame preview today, three p.m. Eastern, yeah. UFC two eighty one. Let this be the appetizer for what's coming, okay? And and it's coming on, so be there. And then, obviously, YouTube.com/slash/MorningCombat. We're going to get to some of our bonus stuff today, but we are going to be pumping that all week with reactions, interviews, big stuff. It's going to get big this week, Luke. Like, I, you know, I didn't know if you were ready, but I, then I watched your interview with Izzy out of Soigna, and uh, you're ready. You're re- well, that's you I
1: don't know, know if anyone's ever pronounced it that way. You I You mean, tried. I, you tried during the I've, I've bumbled it a few different yeah, ways, but yeah. I don't think I've ever said Soigna. Yeah.
0: Like with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Red Soigna. Yeah. Well, my loigna was fired up for you watching that, okay? All right,
1: very good. Uh, BC, let's remind everyone today. Oh, and of course, the store, the store, uh, morningcombat.store, you can get all the merch. I've got the all the smoke merch on. I do like this hoodie. Yeah, I'm not
0: representing any MK, oh, my undershirt, but you don't need to see that. But, uh, you know, the the myth.com, the Chuck, Yeah. he Chuck gave, he gifted you with one? Yeah, I have one. Grown are gifting it. each other with old guy hats, yeah. and you didn't wear it today. I know. I,
1: I did get a fresh haircut yesterday.
0: That looks like you paid... 30 to $40, dollars and it's 50, good. It's 50, a good-ass haircut. 50 haircut.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. Okay.
0: 50. And, 50. In D.C., though, you couldn't eat. You know, in
1: you... D.C., this would have been like 100 yeah, yeah, Yeah. Which is unfortunate, but that's just the reality. Um, yeah. All right, BC, I want to remind everyone that you don't have it in front of you here because we're on the road, although you should have brought your travel packs. Yeah. How about our next partner product that we use basically every day? How about Athletic Greens? AG1.
0: Uh, how about starting? All in, reliable, really. All oh, reliable. How about starting your day, and out of all of our days are executed the right way. Let's be honest. We all want to eat healthy. We all want to act healthy. We all want to live a healthy lifestyle. Yeah, we take we screw up along the way. But how about starting your day with a foundation? And that's one scoop of the magic green Power powder. Put it in about eight ounces of water, whatever you want, mix that up. I put it in shakes. And Luke, I'm starting my day with something that doesn't feel all medicine-y, but I know it feels good. It's got a mild tropical taste to it. And you talk about pumping your arteries with nutrients, Luke. That's what I do every day.
1: Do you pump your arteries and nutrients every day? I shoot
0: up my arteries with nutrients.
1: Okay, methamphetamine, not a nutrient. Uh, with we, with one delicious scoop of this stuff, VC, everyone knows, 75 high quality vit- vitamins, minerals, mm-hmm. wholeful,
0: whole whole food sourced superfood. This is the improv part of the ad read. I don't know. Good. Probiotics improv.
1: and adaptogens to start your day right, you filthy he. he-
0: yeah. He- I mean, look, what do you want to what do you want to work on here? Energy, recovery, focus, aging, your immune system, your nervous system, your gut health. This is a way to help yourself kickstart that each day, uh, and I know a lot of people say, "Well, what does it cost?" You know what I like best about it—the price, less than three bucks a day, one one scoop. That's it, and it's just a little bit extra. It's like cheating. It's like getting the Cliffs Notes, not Kill Cliff MMA. I mean, whatever that means. I'm talking about the Cliffs Notes to health. It's called AG One.
1: It's lifestyle-friendly. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything, while still tasting pretty goddamn good. You
0: ever buy Cliff's Notes for a Shakespeare book?
1: Uh, I did one time in high school, yes. Yeah,
0: which one? Uh,
1: uh, King Lear? King Lear, I think. Yeah, I didn't one. read that shit. Yeah.
0: yeah. We only read Merchant of Venice where I come from. I got to tell you, I, <laughs> I still got an A in that class, so. Mm, fucking yeah, but it did, it, did <laughs> cost, <laughs> it did cost you your personal life, though, Luke, back then. But, hey, anyway. I have, um, well, it wasn't much of month one to lose. Blah, blah, blahs, 5, uh, 7,000 five-star reviews. No blah, blah, blah on that. These are people that are going out there trying the product and saying, look, it works, including leading health experts like Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais. So, Luke Thomas, here's the deal right now. To reclaim your health and arm your immune system with a convenient daily nutrition, they make it really easy. Where should our viewers go to get this product?
1: This is as easy as you indicated. Go uh, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and, this is the kicker, five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do, visit athleticgreens, plural, dot com, slash morning combat, BC. Who's
0: your favorite kicker? Former MVP Mark Mosley of the Redskins? Sebastian Jenikowski. Oh, yeah, because he Cause definitely he was, was drinking on the job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, That's athleticgreens.com slash morning combat to put your health first today. Luke, the, it's inevitable. The more we win, all we do is win no matter what. <laughs> I feel like... <laughs> I'm in a mood today. I feel like Al Bernstein and Pete Davidson there for a second. <laughs> um, but, well, I did smell watermelon-y, but... Um, you know, I don't really know where I was going, Luke, but it was probably going to be majestic. I'll tell you. What. Uh, well, let's do this before we get to topic number one. Oh, it's it's ad reads. We have a we have to sell a lot of stuff. To pay for the just, studio This here, isn't right? actually
1: a thing that happened. BC joked before the show. He's like, we should just do a show that's nothing but ad reads. With, and, with and a the, few jokes in between. And the production crew goes, we already do. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, ah, that's a uh, pretty fair uh, point. Actually. Well
0: done, Long Island Luke. He's got a big concert coming up. He's going to see live again. Are you okay with that? I alone love you. I alone, I alone tempt you. you. <laughs> Fear is
1: not the end I of this
0: song. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Leave you here by yourself. <laughs>
1: You're dude, We should go karaoke and see who's worse. We should do
0: MK karaoke. In I it, already did fucking in no, condo. no, no. But like, we'll take it on the road. We'll bring our crew.
1: If they can make if, if there's a way to do Cannibal Corpse uh, karaoke, I'm down. <sighs> All right. Probably at the Proud Boys meeting, they have that right We could do Stripped, day. Raped, and Strangled. That's All one of right. their great great right. tracks.
0: People hate long intros, especially during a big fight week. All right. So let's so let's, let's get to bang. it
1: right away. So before we get to topic number one, because it happened uh, yesterday, and we were trying to rush to get it out the door, I got a chance to sit down with the champion, Israel Adesonia, in his mansion, which, by the way, we looked this up. <laughs> there he is. We looked this <laughs> up on uh, online. Do you know how much that home he is uh, renting costs to buy outright? Uh... It's in New Jersey. It's in New Jersey, yeah.
2: At least
0: nine hundred thousand.
1: Okay, so how about fourteen million? Fourteen million is the house that he is is renting. I'm not sure what it's costing him per month or however long he's renting it. But is
0: it the whole, is that the CKB compound or is that? Dude, Izzy's it
1: style? was. I mean, Brandon, the camera guy, was there. Brandon, did it feel like you were in Little New Zealand? Even the security guards were clearly like you know Kiwi well, dudes. Brandon's like five four though. All right, like five, all right. Well, they were friendly. Everyone yeah. was friendly, but they had the New Zealand flag <laughs> hanging in the middle, and
0: dude, <laughs> looks, they had they had. Kind of like a Young Rogan, right? No, yeah.
1: no, yeah, uh, do you really? Yeah, uh, that's fun. He does get
0: that a lot, yeah.
1: yeah. All right, well, the point being is it was this, There was this, this compound, it was this crazy compound, and you know, you have to drive down like this, this hill to get there. And there was, he has security there now, too, because apparently it that's a necessity.
0: Yeah. I mean, don't give people ideas,
1: you know? No, 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 like, don't, yeah, don't go, uh, that would be a bad idea. But the point I'm trying to make is it was this amazing compound, uh, people were shitting on. You know, they're like, it's a little much with the chess pieces and everything. Yeah. Two responses to that. First of all, will you live a little? Huh? Is it that hard to once in a while gussy it up a little bit? It was a little bit dramatic. I agree, you know. But first of all, wasn't our house. Second of all, the production crew got there ahead of the, before me and another producer got there. It was well staged. Yeah, and they set it up. And I thought it was a little dramatic, but in a good way, actually. I really appreciated it. BC, you saw it. Your biggest takeaway from how he sounded, how he looked, what he was saying, was what?
0: I like the chest pieces. I wish you asked a little about the chest pieces, but that's another topic for another day.
1: Uh, he came down shirtless before uh, when he because he, he got up at one thirty in the afternoon. All right. So he came down before and greeted
0: everyone, and uh, I didn't notice it that big. To be honest, all, I'm joking, obviously. In all seriousness, this was a big get and a big chat ahead of arguably, in some ways, the biggest fight of Izzy's title reign. I mean, Robert Whitaker, former champion in a rematch, was certainly big, too. But the threat here and the connective tissue of Izzy having lost to Podata twice, including by Stobbage last time out, I love the way you handled it, Luke. You did it your own Luke Thomas way. You can keep telling the people that you hate doing interviews, but you do them, and you're doing it, and you're doing it well, okay? Thanks, <laughs> okay? I love it. Yeah. Right. But the, the thing is, uh, what did I get from this? A lot, because Izzy's an interesting, deep cat, and to hear him... Talk about the duality of man and understanding the fact that, you know, he's a little bit of everything all at once, which is maybe to some degree while while he's a big star, uh, but he's not looking for that. He hasn't maybe kicked through the door in people's, you know, front pages like a John Jones did originally. I think because he's kind of like a little bit of it all at once. He's a little bit of a troll. He's a little bit of, I mean, everything across the board. But what he is, what I learned from this interview is he has dialed the hell in and aware of everything it's not just the meticulous nature of his striking game which is so well planned out always make you know setting traps all of that and the way he even broke down the challenge of what Poata could represent was interesting but just the man seeing him navigate and explain his reasoning uh for the way he responds to questioning and stuff here's a guy who's mature and you have to have a backbone that goes beyond like having a good chin to be a champion and to put together five title defenses obviously and and you know manage all that stress and juggle it but he seemed to be in a great spot entering, uh, uh, you know, maybe the most dangerous champ. Betting odds-wise, by the way, mm. Um, Izzy was an underdog for the first Robert Whittaker fight, but then he's been favored every single fight since then, and this is the closest odds that we've had. Is he's,
1: he's still the favorite
0: right now? He's still the favorite right now, but at minus, or I'm sorry, at like plus 145 or 70 or whatever Podeda is at yeah, the moment, this is the closest betting-wise, that an Izzy opponent has been since he became champion. So, Luke, um, not only did I get the whole, man, Izzy's really dialed in and he sees this well, that duality thing, I I think he is a guy who wants to deliver revenge, you know, best serve cold here and, and get this dish ready, Luke. I think he's coming in there looking, ready, willing, able, planning on Getting a stoppage, and I think that you know, just on a very crossover casual sense, it's got to get you fired up from that idea. But it's like he's not going to be reckless, but I think he's got his assassin's mind ready for what this challenge really represents. And it was interesting to hear the maturity in all aspects come out of him. Yeah. He does it his own way, yep. but this is a deep, this is a deep fellow.
1: Yeah, you just don't find a lot of prize fighters this, this thoughtful. And you could disagree with things he said, or you can like him or like him. It's certainly up to you. But the level of detail and thinking through these problems is somewhat unusual. Now, BC, what was your favorite part of? Of the interview, (laughs) where he referred to the show as Combat Corner, which I don't mind. That's a real combat. combat. uh, Yes, there is. In fact, Uh, that's not. uh, He didn't pull that out of thin air. Or when he called you your guy, and I want to. I want to make a note about this. I purposely did not correct him when he said that. Yeah. yeah. Just so I could roast your ass. I mean, that was a great today's show.
3: That was a great moment. If you missed it, it sounded like this. I respect people like you who actually enjoy the game. And respect the athletes, you know, rather than trying to get headlines. Everyone wants to be first. No one wants. I to don't be do a first. ton of interviews. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean. But I appreciate that. You, you, and your guy, you know, you, you do good work on on the uh, combat corner. Yeah, morning combat. Morning combat. It's okay. Combat, yeah. yeah, combat corner is different. I mean, yeah, yeah. morning combat. Yes. Yeah, yeah we try. <laughs> there you go. We try.
0: <laughs> so we try. depending on who you talk to, that's very famous, Luke. Um, Although this interview, you did, you named me. Didn't you? Oh, no, you didn't
1: name no, me. I. No, per- well, I was going to, and then he did that, and I was like... You named
0: me when you were on Sean O'Malley's podcast the other day. I, I did, did catch the, the yeah. uh, a lot of that. I was like, oh, shit, he's actually putting my name out there. But, yes, depending on which famous person you're talking to, Rogan, Demetrius Johnson, you know, we've got footage of it all. I'm either your boy, your co-host, your bitch, that other dude, or that filthy casual, or the boxing guy who's also a filthy casual. But, uh, you know, but... Uh, I don't mind, Luke. I, I don't mind being the... But see, uh, here's
1: the, here's what people don't realize. The pimple on had, your ass. Here's the thing. If we had flipped this, and you did an interview with, let's say, Andre Ward... Yes. He, it would be the exact same thing. He'd be like, oh, what's up, Brian? And then he'd be like, yeah, that other dude you do the thing with. Yeah, so, like, yeah. it's magnified in MMA, because we do a lot of MMA, but if the roles were reversed,
0: it would look exactly the same in boxing. I, I, I respect it, though, um the respect he has for you. And as he's right, since launching his YouTube show and stuff, like he doesn't do a lot of interviews. I know he was in Ariel's studio and maybe he's got one or two other big ones, but uh, he th- this happened because... He respects your game, Luke Thomas. Also, I've been relentlessly positive about him for six I, years. So. I mean, an event, one day he'll turn on you like yeah. all fighters inevitably <laughs> they, do, right? He might, he might. When he's an aging fighter and you pick some young gun to knock him out or something. But no, um, look, th- seriously, all pleasantries aside and jokes aside, I did get a lot about where he's at. Did Did you catch that same feel that he could not, like... We talk. What's the biggest storyline or narrative coming in? It's Izzy's facing the last guy to beat him, and the, then they beat him by knockout. It was it was one year before Izzy's UFC debut. Yes, Izzy was ahead in that fight. I did watch the, their kickboxing rematch, but uh, he got he got knocked out. So that's the prevailing storyline. But I think part of us want to go. You know, how different are they from uh, as fighters today? They're fighting in a different sport, and you guys talked about that and you summed it up well. But I think from a macro point, we do want to kind of stress on that, like you know, what type of receipts are left or what? how will that affect the fight at all? And naturally we can say, no, Izzy's too much of a professional. He's not like, there's not like footsteps in his head. He's not afraid of potato, all that. I think it's absolutely the opposite. I think he's so dialed in that what I just said a few minutes ago, I think he's looking at this as, the best way to show people where I actually am today and, you know, why my skill set's better in this sport and just the fact that I know I'm, I'm ahead of this guy. I know it. So bring him in here, bring him into my deep waters, and I'll knock him the F out. That's why I've been saying for weeks that if you are a person that watched Izzy Cannoneer and you didn't appreciate the craft and the art and the skill of what he's doing and you're maybe more of just the, I want the bang for my buck, then you probably booed him and talked bad about him online. But this is the fight, Luke Thomas. Win or lose, by the way, for Izzy, and the odds tell you that it's in play for both here. This is the fight where I think we the the, the Kelvin Gastelum in him comes back out again because it's going to have to. It certainly, but comes. I also think he wants it. He wants yeah. to do that. You know what
1: I'm saying? Yeah, I think there's a part of him... My, my takeaway from this was that, basically just like yours, which was that he recognizes he lost to this guy. I don't, th- I don't think he feels like the first fight was a fair determination of things, but he recognizes he made a mistake and got clearly viciously KO'd by him in the second fight. But I think in his heart of hearts, what he is... And you can disagree with him. You can say Izzy's wrong. But if we're asking where is Izzy at... Izzy, I think, believes that if he fights his fight, he is more skilled. He is more experienced, certainly in MMA, and he just has more ways to win and will win. All he has to do is fight his fight. Um, whether you whether you think that's a fair characterization of what's going to actually happen or not, I don't know. But no, I don't think he's walking in there at all with like, um, you know, how am I gonna manage this? And, you know, uh
0: Or I gotta get this guy before he gets me, which is something yeah. I've I've thrown out there. Could that be? No, I don't even think it's that. I think it's like Let's get it into the later rounds, and there's, here's where he has a point, and where anyone cynical, although we understand why this matchup is happening, and let's give Padaita credit—he's taken care of the people they put in front of him. But he's been here for one year and three fights. I mean,
1: that's right. that's nearly Brock Lesnar. Three hundred seventy-one days between first fight and title
0: shot—that's shot. n- like a Lesnar-like turnaround yes. to like establish yourself and get the opportunity. I mean, obviously, you know, Anderson Silva did it pretty fast too. It's it's rare when this happens, and he's not coming in as a rookie. But he's also not coming in as a finished product, Pedata. So when Izzy says, okay, great, but, like, let's see him in rounds four and five, I got those same questions, too. Yep. I, you know, and, and, and maybe that is – I mean, did you hear him, too? He tried to no-sell it, but when you brought up the idea of, of this fight going to the ground or the wrestling, he was just like, oh, me wrestling him. That's an interesting idea. Yeah. I, I – yeah. I, I there, you know. That Although was, he did, I was... That was a little tell. Wasn't a little tell? A little bit. A, a little, little bit, And then also,
1: tell. I was like, well, I tried... Because you can't ask him a, a head-on question. He'll never answer it. Yeah. You have to find an unusual way to force him into that. So that's what that's I tried what, to that's do. That's
0: what real scumbag MMA media... Be like, <laughs> yeah, right? yeah.
1: I was having a scumbag moment there. But what I tried to ask him was, what would you rather do? Like, give him two choices and make him pick one. And by virtue of how he picks it, he's basically giving you the answer you would want anyway. And it was like, would you rather, like, prove your kickboxing is better and then knock him out on the feet? or?" some kind of finish on the ground, like a ground-to-pound. And, and he was. And then he actually sort of gave an answer about it and then was like, what about if I snatch his throat? What about if I hurt him and then lock it up with him? And remember, he has this kind of reactive jiu-jitsu where he had the triangle attempt on Gastelum. Who knows if he could get a, a, a guillotine or whatever. So that's also a little bit of an interesting wrinkle there. What if he does hurt him like he did in the second fight, and rather than just piling on the strikes you know, the guy gets hurt, and then he just rah, wrenches the throat. That
0: could happen. I mean, if he starts shooting double legs, this could get, this could get pretty interesting. It could get so pretty there's interesting. a lot to see here right, and watch. So Should with, we have clips to throw to here? Yes, so
1: let's let's just sort of set it up formally. Topic number one, of course, we're going to get into this fight right now. BC, as you indicated, this is what our producers put for the odds. Uh, minus 205 for Adesonia, as you indicated, plus 175 for Pereira. Okay, so that's how <laughs> they have it. They have Izzy as a slight favorite. BC, what will be... The single biggest factor that determines the winner. Single biggest factor.
0: It's an interesting question. And, uh, you know, in some ways, I can theorize based on what we just laid out there that that could it be the the length of this fight because Pedra going to be so dangerous early as he is, and he's patient. And you look back on it, sometimes too patient at times. But you know, when you when he's got somebody like a Strickland who kind of was crossing the line and coming after him, he's he's among he's among the best right now through three fights and getting them out of there. But Luke, what does? Alex Padeda look like in the championship rounds? What does he look like if he's suddenly on his back? Um, there's not like that one thing strategically X and no wise that I'm focusing on there, but I love the type of contrast in, in in this type of matchmaking dichotomy where someone's so less experienced but so super dangerous and has sort potentially has that built-in nugget of having knocked him out. Um I think we can't overlook how much Padeda has to still show us about his game in this fight at the highest level. Cause I rewatched Cannoneer out of Sony last night. And you know, Cannoneer, as much as like on a macro level, we can look at it and just say, Man, you know, he didn't pull the trigger, right? But then you actually watch it round by round and setup by setup. And it's like he was really smart. He he came close to being able to set up the type of single shots that Cannoneer normally does that hurt you and allow him to to get in there. He just never could quite crack the code and ran out of time and, and, and maybe didn't, you know, get to a certain point where I'd just go, all right, I'm just going to press the the button and go for it. Maybe he didn't do that. But Podeta, I don't think is at that level. IQ-wise, game planning-wise, it's still so soon for him in the sport. So the biggest thing I want to see is if Podeta doesn't get an early finish or if Izzy doesn't counter him big at some point in the first three rounds and, and that leads to something, what does this cowboy, Alex Podeta, not not the other cowboy, Podeda, or what does this guy look like, Luke? In in the championship rounds, he's going to have to raise his game a lot, a lot yeah. from what we've seen. I'm and gonna, it doesn't mean it's not in him. Training with Glover Teixeira, Wellington Terman, Dominic Reyes—that's all. That's you know, he's doing the right. He's gotten the right path to get here, but it's early. It's very early, Luke. I, I would
1: agree. I think in answering a single biggest factor that could determine the fight, I'm going to say um, the distance that it goes. I mean, there's so many important ones. But uh, Izzy is five-round MMA fight battle-tested. He is. He is He is fully battle-tested in that way. Podeda simply is not. Now, he's gone five rounds in kickboxing, but it's a different sport, different cardiovascular systems, different or Didn't you lay out energy systems.
0: His last fight, a big five-round rematch in kickboxing, Alex Padeda, that yes. kind of... It kind of cruised. Yeah, on it's the, it, well, the fight was weird.
1: One thing I forgot to mention on that was that like, Padilla lost a point I think in the fourth round because the referee said he was clinching a lot, which was sort of true, not really true. But dude, it was weird. In the fifth round, it wasn't like his performance fell off a cliff. It just looked like the like he had a balloon that was fully inflated and it just got some of the air just got let out. It just wasn't as. He didn't seem as like focused on winning or I, 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 maybe he knew it because they said on the broadcast, Todd Grisham had said on the broadcast, well, this is his last fight in kickboxing. So it was well known he was yeah. going to go do other things that could have played a role. He just didn't seem himself. Which he, and I know what folks are going to say. It's like, well, it's the fifth round of a fight. He's tired. Right. I'm not talking about the natural decline that comes with fatigue. I'm talking about a secondary element that can also explain further performance decline. Hard, hard to make a read off that, but he definitely did not have the same kind of zip and pop and just intentionality in the fifth as he did in the first, whereas Vokitov, his opponent, did right. and kind of took it to him there and picked up the last three. He, he lost the first two cleanly, so he had to win the last three, basically, and he did. So um, I, I, we got some sound here, BC, that you kind of indicated. Let me go to, what if I can here, I asked him this question as a basic way. What are you up against? When you think, when I ask you who you're trying to beat, yeah, the name is Pereira, but what what are you up against in a much more direct way? Here's what he told me. What are you up against in Alex Pereira? When you size him up, Mm -hmm. tell me what you feel like
3: you're facing here. That's a good question. What do I feel like I'm facing? When I size him, I haven't seen him yet this fight week. I can't wait until I see him. When I size him up, um... A really good kickboxer with some good, I guess, grappling defense, because I've seen in the Bruno Silva fight and his first UFC debut, he you know, he did the right things that I do as well to get <laughs> to get up and get back to the to the game that he's good at. Um and lately, just he's getting confident. I'll say that he's getting confident, yeah.
1: What do you think, BC? He is gaining confidence. Like, we're talking about Izzy's mind state. I obviously, have, you know, he doesn't speak English, but so I haven't had a chance to interview Pareda. He, he seems dialed the fuck in, too.
0: Yeah, he is, and he's got the power to get you out of there, and he's got the right setups and technique to do it. He's made an, a really nice transition from kickboxing to a fairly high level of MMA. Is the Sean Strickland fight a little bit of fool's gold? Was that somebody yeah, fault? Yeah, let,
1: let, let's talk about the. the because, let, look, yeah, I wanna talk about that.
0: Whaley versus Andrade. You remember that fight in China when Jung yep. Whaley won the title? I remember thinking of that moment. I don't actually know if Jung Wei Lee's as good as that moment was. That moment was so special. First Chinese champion on home soil. It was just like ridiculous, right? Andraj fought, who's who's an aggressive fighter to begin with, fought reckless in that first 30 seconds and got served strickland did a softer version of that right
1: yeah so what strickland basically did was when you look at his strategy and strickland's a talented guy you know you can say what you want about him as a person he's unusual but he's a talented guy he trains with a good team he has a very good coach like he is a good combat sports athlete but his whole style of putting his hands in front like this to catch everything what did he get finished with the left hook which is a big power but if you're constantly putting and wasn't just it wasn't this It was two hands in front. He just left a giant gaping hole. So what you notice is Pereira, he has a good jab to the body. He jabs to the body. The hands come out, the hands come out, the hands come out. And then Pereira kind of looks like he's going to go that way and then just whips one around the corner. And that was all she wrote. So he had just a really, you know, he had a bad strategy. He had a bad strategy to fight a guy like that. And uh, walking him down, no less, too. It's like you're moving into range for the guy that's another part about Pereira. A lot of guys don't know how to command range and keep it and understand where their space is. That dude does. That dude does. He has a very good understanding of that. So when he was walking into it, Pereira was like, okay, here it comes. Knuckle sandwich, you know. Um, so, you know, is it fool's gold in that way? It's a quality win. It's a, it's a very a, high quality. Oh, it's yeah. a quality win over a quality opponent. But that guy that he fought that night, Pereira, that is not who he's fighting on Saturday. Absolutely. Not even close. That would be my my distinction there,
0: yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. um lot that that he has to show us uh he has shown us a lot in small spurts though what are, there, what, what, are what are what are some negatives that Padata has shown us? has it just been that? There's certain things we don't know yet, or has there been anything in the three fights that you saw that's sort of like, well, he's behind on this, or that's going to evolve over time? or?
1: So one thing he is, he, this is part of his style where he has uh, not quite adapted to kickboxing. He is still a little bit used to guys coming up to him like this, I feel like um and he is here's one thing he's very good at that doesn't he doesn't get a lot of credit for he used to shell up like this in fact we talked about it with izzy and now you'll see him like watching the bruno silva fight a lot of the punches that bruno did land they landed they made connection to the opponent but you can watch potato kind of roll with him a little bit and move with him a little bit one thing i would say is i feel like when he gets up against the cage his cage defense is poor right up when he's up when he's here in terms of, like, managing and getting out of the way? Because Izzy does this, too. Well, the, the Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury had, who was it? Uh, not Otto Wallin, but the other guy that he fought between the Wilder fights. Uh, Otto Wallin, and who was the other one?
0: Not Surf and Safari. Not, uh... Are you talking about? You're not talking about Dillian White. You're talking no. about in between.
1: But anyway, the guy was in his face, and Tyson Fury was able to lean. Excuse me, all the way back like this, and then the punches were coming in front because he's so tall, he can lean back on the ropes in the cage. Tom Schwartz. I mean, who are you talking? Yes, of? I think that was what it was.
0: Yeah. And you can't lean I've back. Got some bombs in between there. Let's be fair.
1: Yeah, you can't lean back like that in the cage. I've noticed that Pareto It seems a little bit uncomfortable in that space. Yes. And will tend to get hit and go square. That's one problem. I think some of the other problems is then you see this in the Wakita fight. If you come up to him like this, because you're going to anticipate shots to your guard. Dude, he will just fucking tee off on you. Um, Vakitov showed that if you can lead with—you can draw out a reaction and then lead with a jab, he is—he can be hit almost every time. So that's uh, the again, biggest Easier hunter. said than done. We're talking about elite fighters who can do this, but that is a weakness.
0: It's like, remember, they are different fighters, different scenarios, but when Shane Carwin was coming on and won the heavyweight interim title and was knocking every single person out by first round, a KO, it's sort of like if you enter into the strengths of him— He's as good as anybody in the game right now. Could Podeta become champion on Saturday? Absolutely. The betting odds show that this has potential to be a very difficult fight, a potential war if it goes that way. But, man, does Podeta have to show us certain things that he just hasn't been forced to or hasn't right. had a chance to. Right. And I want to see if Izzy ends up wrestling uh, because he wants to or needs to. I want to see what happens if Izzy gets rocked early in ways that we haven't really seen him hurt since, like, what? the ga- When's the last time Izzy was hurt? The Gastelum fight? Like, hurt hurt? Yeah. Visibly rocked Gastelum fight. I mean, certainly against... Let's never forget Blachowicz did certain things with the jab and yep. the hard kicks that that gave him in the now edge. Obviously, there, but. you know, controlled him on the ground
1: completely. There is that as well. Um, but, like, hurt. No. That's another thing, too. Like, we never talk about this. Dude, Izzy's strength of schedule in terms of just how frequently he fights and never gets
0: injured? It's fucking insane. <sighs> That's why you want to rip him for... Going, like, over-adjusting and just kind of dominating fights without taking, you know, punishment, which becomes, you know, Mayweather-like in all the good and bad ways, depending on the type of fan you are looking at that. But he has figured out how to be as efficient as possible and welcome as little danger as possible. It's like, the Izzy, that that lion that showed up against Gastelum, like, that guy's still in there. And, and he may need that on Saturday. At the end of the day, I don't know if he'll end up. Really needing it, we'll get it. You know, we'll break. We'll get there on our breakdown when, when we do. But um, that guy's there, but he's so much smarter. I mean, we can't forget that Izzy rose to stardom in the UFC in ridiculously quick time, too. To your point, when you talk to him, he was busier than Padaita and was fighting four or five times, you know, right off the start in in like the first year plus. But uh, dude, he's like. <sighs> Again, rewatch the Cannoneer fight. It rewatch it under a different set of eyes. All you see is the masterful things that that Adesanya did because Cannoneer came in that fight ready to find that yes. opening. Yes. And it just I mean, for Izzy to constantly close that door, can he force can Izzy force Padeta out of the rhythm that makes him comfortable as a striker? I mean, he is so dangerous. You like the way he sets up his his hand, his his punching you know, early on in his MMA career, but what if Izzy closes all those doors? Will we get a reckless... Alex Padilla, will we get a frustrated one? What is that going to look like? There's a lot. There's a lot I need to see here. Just like on the flip side, what if Izzy gets clipped and dropped in round one? It's been a long time since he's had to be that lion. Yeah. But we know it's
1: there. Uh, let's go to some of these other clips we have here. So there's we're not going to get to all of them, but one of the ones I like that I'd like to hear about was, of course, the impact from, or I should say how, how he feels anyway, about the first two kickboxing fights that he had. How does he reflect upon them, having to go over them all the time? Here's what he
3: said. Skills wise, not emotional wise, skills wise, a little bit. I don't bang too much on it because we've both evolved. We've both evolved. And also, that was kickboxing. The gloves were different. My frame was different. I yeah. watched, watched them. Much thinner. Yeah, I watched the first fight. I was hitting them with some shots, and I'm like, you know, he's eating them. It was eating them. Second fight, he didn't eat them so well. He almost got put away. Yeah. It's different this time. It's been five years, bro. I've I've, I've evolved, and so has he. But this is a different game. This is mixed martial arts. The gloves are different. Trust me. People might say I don't have any power still, because people are people and people are stupid. But when <laughs> I crack him, when I crack him this time, it's different. And he's gonna try and crack me as well. But would I let him? That's the that's the question. Will I let him crack me?
0: Yeah. Do you see uh, your reaction, dude. I'm telling you, like this happened. Look, like a great pre-fight yeah, interview. I got one more right here. A great pre-fight interview or a great pre-fight, you know, documentary, Showtime, All Access, HBO, twenty-four-seven. Like the best thing they can do is after watching one side of someone's story, you can go, "Oh shit, they're absolutely going to win this fight as dominantly as they say you are." When he says that, it does start to make you lessen on the romanticism of Pedata, this this slugging nightmare who just knocked, you know, Izzy out a few years ago, and you start to look at the actual differences between them right now as elite. Five round championship caliber mixed martial artist. That um, it's 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 interesting. Is there a scenario here? I mean, I love this fight. I'm not. I'm I'm actually doing a bit here where I'm trying to talk you into this potentially being one sided and boring. When the reality is, I can't wait to see this fight. I think the line's going to come out of Izzy. It's going to be a war. But let's say it's not. Is there Stipe and Ganu one potential in here? You know, when you hear Izzy break down exactly why he's so confident, it, the differences between them, not in 2017, uh, the differences between them right now, is there a potential that that this is a masterclass from Izzy?
1: Small, small. I don't think that the difference between them striking is significant. Okay. I think they're both fucking very good. And I think Izzy, Izzy is like... It's to me. It's like Izzy doesn't ever say that this isn't a dangerous opponent. He never says that. He never says this guy isn't good or whatever. Now he, what the fuck are you doing? Staying hydrated. <laughs> You're drinking brown shit water. What are you doing? Can we show this water? It's you can show it down my uh, esophagus, <laughs> dude. That's the grossest thing I've ever seen. All right. Anyway, <laughs> Egg Shen going to teach the secrets of the Guaylo over there. Um, no, I, I I think it. Listen, any MMA fight can end up like Aldo Connor. Any MMA fight, I would be surprised. It could end spectacularly, but just not in. I- one-sided, like, unless well, some guy's injured. If some guy's injured, I could see it being like a blowout in either direction. Short of that, no. Let's get to one more of these, BC. This is the one I think is kind of interesting. Let's get to the one about the gas tank. So I asked him about the gas tank. It was funny. He hadn't seen this fight that I'm going to bring up. We'll talk about it in just a second. But Izzy seems to think that the gas tank issues are going to be an issue later, which makes me wonder, is he going to clinch with him and force him to pummel, put some blood in his arms, slow him down, and then go after him? That could be a strategy. Let's hear what he had to say.
3: That the longer this goes, the more decisive you are. It's there. not about him, it's about me. I know where I can go. I know where I can go. Uh, I was going to say, but like yesterday, I, I, I literally thought we finished, I uh, thought we had one more round when we're doing our work. And they were like, no, we're done. Tim's nodding in agreement right now. I literally thought we had one more round. And then they had to convince me by telling me the rounds I did to let me know that we finished. And I was like, oh, I was like, okay, sweet. Like, I know where I'm at right now. It's not about him, it's about me. I know where I'm at right now, and I know me. So there's not, like this fight's already sold, if not, and I would've been talking so much shit and whatnot if I'd never fought him before, and I would've probably played the tactic a little different, but like I said, this guy's already beaten me. He's beaten me in the past in a different code in kickboxing, so it'd be stupid of me to come in here and try and like intimidate him. I know he doesn't get intimidated easily, Neither neither do I. So it'd be stupid of him to try all this tactics he's doing to try and get at me. I find it funny because I'm like, you think I'm really going to give a fuck about you doing, I don't know, some tennis ball mimicry? That's cost of how that went for him, making skits about me. And I'm in the sense like Jordan, I take that personally. Yeah, I take that personally. But The Gary uh, Payton thing? Exactly, but not right now. Like, there's nothing I can do right now. I'm just chilling. I can just do what I can do right now. I'm going to work, cut this weight, rehydrate. And then, yeah, when it's time to express, I'll express.
0: Your reaction. It's it's election season right now, right? You know, John Fetterman has eliminated yeah, Dr. Like Oz. That six foot nine gargantua in there. <laughs> I'll be looking for you in the parking lot after. But no, <laughs> the reality here, Luke, um, he's a stroke survivor. That guy. I know. I know. I know. The reality is this: is what I was saying before about great pre-fight stuff, and this was a great interview to sort of set it up. It's like he just gave you his, you know his side of why he should win this election that they're going to have inside the cage. And it's convincing. It is. And it all echoes the larger point we've been saying. Podeda has questions that can only be answered over five rounds if it gets there. But, Luke... Adesanya is where he needs to be mentally, and I feel like I get I got to know a little bit more about what really makes him tick with this interview. So in that regard, I thank you, Luke.
1: Last thing I'd say about this, and Faraz Ahabi had a, I think I haven't seen the video, but I did see the headline about it. So if I'm getting parts of this wrong, please forgive me. But he had basically argued that one of the big determining factors for him, he picked Izzy to win for whatever that's worth. But his Reasoning was that and this is the last thing we'll talk about the other fights after this was that uh, of the two, Izzy is a better defensive fighter, and we talked about defensive soundness with Makachev. Makachev, <laughs> by the way, there's this uh, there's this YouTube channel called Fight Study. Have you ever heard of it? No. They they clown us all the time. Not not just us. They clown like what they do is they take everyone's pre-fight predictions and if they're wrong, they fucking put together a montage and then they kill us. The funny part was we both picked Makachev to win, but we said nice things about Oliveira. So they made two videos: one about like here's what everyone said about Makachev they got it wrong, but then they got they they did include the parts where we got it right. Yeah. But you know the reality about this fight is um, there's a very strong case in either direction. They're really oh well, hell yeah. This is a very competitive fight. This is a very interesting fight. But the commonality is. Defensive soundness in a fight when you have someone who's very defensively sound. That's a hard guy to
0: hurt. I cannot Also, there's levels to defensive soundness, which is why when Mayweather fights always look so different than you expected it to look coming in with the trash talking and all that, Izzy has almost a Mayweather-like ability to frame a fight. This Izzy, this version of Izzy, to frame a fight into the exact most efficient ways to play up his strengths and diminish yours. And, and it's, it's a control here's factor. Of,
1: here's the kicker for Pereira. Tell me if I'm wrong. Izzy is more defensively sound. I don't think that much is so much in question. But Pereira is a little bit more of a lethal threat. He's got big one-punch abilities oh, that of course. I don't think Izzy has. Well,
0: that's why the odds are. That's why right. the odds are where they're at. Two final quick points on Izzy and we can roll out of there. Knowing how, like, funny he is... I kind of I, I can envision if I was his bit manager, I can envision a bit in which you know the saggy nipple, you know yes. the one of the two. He could put like a flavor flave size, like clock on like a nipple ring on there. Dude, he should and just and so look, just walk around with that all the time. So no. like then when people make jokes about like guy, he could just be like, no, I just got this giant clock that's like sagging. No, no,
1: I have a better one. How about remember uh, yeah, um, Ugas's girl wore the sh- yes. titty shirt? Yes,
0: he should just wear a single titty shirt. Oh, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> the other thing is. The version of him in my favorite fight, UFC 236, Atlanta, Georgia. You, that dude, night. that
1: fight really had an impact on you.
0: That's like what it, it's Love truly. When you say it's your favorite fight, you're not bullshit. Oh, I'm not kidding. That was, I didn't want to be there that night. I was exhausted. I've been traveling to three different cities all week. And then I watched two of the mo- two of the greatest fights in history back to back. But my point is this. When you look back on that. I think he's smarter now than he was then. I think he's able to control fights more. If that fight rematched to tomorrow with the same two fighters from back then, it would look completely different. Why was that fight as good as it actually was? It was it because what I've long believed that that's the best Kelvin Gastelum will ever find. That was his title fight. That was his moment. Yes. He also had this quick, daring style to cut angles and get inside on Izzy. Yes. But was there part of Izzy that needed to find out how tough he was yes. too?
1: All that. So, I think one, that is one of Gastelum's better performances. And it's a shame that you, you always want, if you're a fighter, I'm going to guess, certainly I've never been one, but I think that they would say that they would like to have one of their better performances be in a win. Right, And then sadly for Gaslam, it's not a win, but it's a very, very commendable performance. And you were exactly right. Gaslam over time has showed, I will say, very uneven uh, effective use of head movement. But in that fight, he was really very good about getting inside of uh, Izzy's jab and then finding ways to get on the inside. And he rocked him. He yeah, dropped Izzy several too. times, yeah. several times. So that was part of it. And I think because that was so tough, Izzy had to make adjustments throughout, including but not limited to getting rocked and being like, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. I what am I willing to give right now? And you've seen the video. I'm willing to die. As he stares across at fucking Gastelum and says it out loud. It's an incredible moment. So, so he he had to be brought to the precipice, frankly,
0: of defeat or and death. Had to in some that weird fault. ways, in de- of death too. You know, like in I mean, it's obviously life and death in there because of the dangers they face. But of of just getting to that point and then being like, oh, I can swim here. This is fine. So that's why I called him for a circle. That comment that closed the last sound drop before he said, if I let him, if I let him hit me. I think part of him has evolved to a level now where it's like the reason why Izzy doesn't care about the stupid people making comments, you know, that he's boring or all that is it, it not just because it's safer and better as a champion to limit the danger coming back at you, but also because he already knows that that guy's in there the guy the version that is he was against Gastelum, he knows if any of these guys along the line can cross that line and pull him into that he's going to be fine so i think that's why it's easier for him to be in such a strong mental place right now Of sort of like oh that all that all that noise yeah whatever with that you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. like and it's and it, like he he knows that if shit gets hairy even with Alex Padeda, he's he's sonya has been there before. Sonya? Right? Okay. Yep, he's been there before, Luke. All, all
1: right. right, let's talk about this now. Bam. Since I spoke to one champ, you spoke to another. Topic number two, Carla Esparza taking on Zhang Wiley. Now, as it stands today, boy, this is amazing, the champ sitting at a plus 265. Can you believe it? Zhang Wiley at a minus 320 BC. Now, let's start the conversation here. You spoke to Carla Esparza, all right? How much are people dismissing her chances? Dude,
0: it's out of control right right,
1: now. How much are they dismissing her chances because they've looked at the tape or, you know, they have a decent assessment of how good Zhang Wai is, who's obviously very talented, probably deserves to be the favorite no matter what, has beaten better competition, okay? How much of that is just a fair assessment of this fight? And how much of it is like, yo, fuck her. That was a terrible fight she had with Rose. I can't stand her. She doesn't deserve to be champion. All this animosity for her
0: raining down. The Cookie Monster is one of the nicest people to talk to. I actually really enjoyed this interview that I had, whether you can catch it, of course, on YouTube.com slash Morning Combat. We'll be throwing to it shortly because I don't think she's, you know, she's kind of underexposed for an elite level two-time champion where I don't think, you know, on high level she's been allowed to sort of tell the stories of these fights behind the scenes. So I've enjoyed doing that. But not just the reaction to me chatting with her. And look, I was a little, I guess in the end we were a little click clickbaity with the headline. It was in line with what she said, but people kind of gave us hell. We're scumbag MMA journalists, so first of all. But I did not expect this full on from Dean Thomas coming on the show and just bluntly saying, oh, Carla's going to get her head taken off by Whaley, to everybody's reaction of like this, almost without saying it as if, you know, this paper champion, I do believe that, that that awful second fight with Rose, that it does take two to tango, both deserve blame here for something that was so tactical with so little action, so safe. Yeah, to some degree, you know, it robbed her of a big moment of a great turnaround, but I think it's all factoring in, along with Whaley being so rejuvenated here that people are not only expecting Whaley to completely run through her and dominate her. But I think people are enjoying that aspect. Like they can't wait to see Carla lose. So, Luke, I've done the research and looked up and down and watched Carla's recent fights. Here's what's interesting she's riding a six fight win streak. Outside of that boring fight, you know, she didn't talk trash in the wrong direction. She's never really, you know, she's always polite. She doesn't say anything negative. But of those six fights, to be fair with you, four were a split or majority decision, mm. three were split decisions outright. And she was the betting underdog, like she is in this fight, for five of those six. Jesus. So, look, there's three split decisions out of six. There's been some sort of not luck, but you know, good good karma momentum that she's riding to be able to be in these close fights and just get the nod. But it does factor in together to be like, I don't think we've seen a champion in a while that have been this much maligned. And I didn't think it would be her, right? It was easier to malign Nico Montano because we didn't know a lot about her. Like, it was kind of lame how that title belt came together, and then they just stripped her because she missed weight. Same thing with GDR, although let's give Jermaine Durand credit for coming back around and proving she's a great fighter. Um, but people, like, people aren't talking about this fight, and people are not talking about <laughs> anything when they are talking about this fight beyond Whaley getting a big-time finish, Luke. I have to be fair and say that's a large amount of disrespect for a very good fighter in Esparza who has had to tiptoe to get to this point, but she's here, Luke. And she's a a nice person, but... um you know, with that said, I bet we're both going to pick Whaley by stoppage, aren't we? Uh, well, I mean, are listen we, to this. I'm just hypocritical. Yeah, honestly,
1: she lost twice to Suarez and Gadelia, uh, or however you say your name, Gadelia?
0: Claudia, you talking about?
1: Claudia Gadelia. Yeah, excuse me. And then she beat Janjiroba, Grasso, Michelle Waterson, Gomez, Rodriguez, Jan Shanan, who she stopped in the second round, and then had the terrible fight with Rose Namajunas, but technically was the winner there. Although it's hard to call that really a, a clear and decisive win. Nevertheless. Fucking impressive win streak. (laughs)
0: Name wise, yes, and I I was butchering. Yes, it was the stoppage against Yan Shanon. I was saying all in the past week that it came against Marina Rodriguez. I'm uh, dead wrong myself. Rodriguez was split. Rodriguez was. But Luke, the the fact that all of those inconclusive results and a couple of those I remember arguing the the other Grasso
1: was fight of the night. Her fight with Grasso was fight of the night. But didn't
0: that build the foundation for where we are? When you do an unforgivable sin in the fans' eyes, which that second Rose fight was. Okay, fine. But I don't remember there being this many Whaley fans before this. Like people are fired up to see the belt change hands. She she
1: earned a lot of favor with that fight against
0: joanna the first one
1: she learned to earn True. a lot of favor
0: but like the, i went back and watched rose versus whaley too and i mean they were the fans were booing that shit leading up to the
1: oh yeah they're fickle the decision they're and fickle.
0: when she put the belt around her waist so hey let's hear what she has to say about this shit let's All right, we got a this. couple
1: of clips here so let's talk about this very quickly um she's going to talk about first on the disappointing win she had versus rose in the last fight
2: no um i definitely hear what you're saying and it's definitely a bummer to win a fight like that you know winning a title i mean that's always going to be a good day right winning any fight but you know it's just not being able to just have like this strong performance or the strong finish or just show all the work that you've been putting in camp is it is a bummer and you know obviously the fans were disappointed and you know it definitely put a little bit over a cloud over the win but you know that's what, uh, you know, the right I can make in this in this fight. You know, I'm, I'm excited to, to put it out, to put it all on the line.
0: Yeah. Look, she's 35 years old. She's a two-time champion in the in on the women's side in the best and deepest division. She has to be on. I don't know if it's a Mount Rushmore, but when I, when we look back at this era, which is still going, the, the, the this division started December 2014 with the with the tough finale. Right, the champion was crowned. It was Carla that night. She's still the champion. In between, it's been like this group of Rose, Whaley, Joanna, Carla, Andrade. They've all fought each other a ton of times, and they always, except for this last one between Rose and Carla, make magic. Get uh, I it's weird. People <laughs> it's like she's so like at the same time looked over or underrated. Look, is she overrated or underrated as a fighter? I can't figure it Carla, out.
1: Carla? Yeah. Massively underrated. Massively underrated. But the thing is, like here, like certain kinds of fighters' wins inspire. How do I say this? They boost morale. Right? When when she has this. Like blood and guts affair, people are gonna like that more. And then she has, by the way, gotten better. If you look at the two, you wantified, she's clearly gotten better. When
0: she finished out on, she looked like a destroyer.
1: Destroyer, but yeah. like she just has this way of boosting adoration for her. Whereas Carla has had to scrape and collect and save and you know penny pinch. To get these wins, so the runs aren't as equal in that way. They don't they don't inspire confidence as much as they should. And even the Yanshao non-win, which was a dominant win by Carla, they're like, oh well, Yans' takedown defense isn't great. She's much better striker. You know, she just took advantage of that. It's so, like, yeah, well, you can only take advantage of that if you're. Real fucking good in the other departments. Like, you got to be a very good fighter to do that. So, some people's wins, and by the nature of the competition themselves, they just boost morale. They boost confidence. They boost adoration. And Carla just doesn't have those wins. She just we're, doesn't. We're going to break
0: this fight down this week ad nauseum, but does she have the striking... To stay with Whaley here because a lot of people are no, talking about what no. Whaley's. If, if it on stays
1: the, on the feet, she loses.
0: Okay, she loses Whaley, for sure. And I can't wait to break down what it's going to look like on the ground. But let's hear one more from Carla. I asked her about Whaley's style and how she feels these match up together or contrast each other. Let's hear Carla.
2: I mean, I hope they contrast so that <laughs> I can go in there and get that finish. But I mean, um, just watching Whaley, you know, over this last you know year or two, like seeing uh, seeing her grappling game evolve and um you know she's always been strong she's always had great striking but i think she's becoming a lot more well-rounded and her grappling's getting a lot better so you know i guess it's just a contest of who's going to be better where and you know i feel like game plans and will you know the ability to execute them kind of you know make the fights uh, look some
0: there you go there you go luke um Odds wise, it's a big hill to climb here. She's a, uh, you know, Whaley's a three to one favorite, but uh, has it has as, as a. Also, we should say this
1: too. Hold on, to interject here very quickly. Yeah. In some of her losses, she just gets run over. Yes. Like in the first fight with Joanna, Carla got run over and just looked like once she couldn't get the takedown, it was all going to fall apart. I think that stuck in the minds of fans. Also, Tatiana Suarez, and granted that was a different time because we haven't seen her basically since. You know, that was, she got run over in that fight. I know
0: you're probably not that interested, but this is probably the time to work it into the show. Yoana uh, went on Instagram. Yesterday Mm -hmm. and said that uh,
1: she's going to be a manager or something.
0: Well, it's the same day that her name officially got removed from the rankings. But uh, she had she uh, revealed that she was like seriously thinking about a comeback in recent weeks and was like calling her manager and all that. And they were like getting in touch with the UFC and you know she she said she, she hadn't had thoughts about retirement entering the Whaley rematch unless it went completely one sided for her and it did right. She got dominated and knocked out cold spectacularly. But because she had the physically the best camp of her life, she she really thought about coming back, and then just decided no, and, and kept down this road. Long run, she she had a great exit, even though she lost by knockout there against Way. Like she went out a conquering hero, and mm-hmm. people gave her flowers and all that. Are there any other matchups in here separating the personal of Ioana, which we we couldn't be more bipolar on? You can
1: get to the point.
0: Is there any matchups like all star one hundred and fifteen matchups you'd still want to see with with Ioana? Uh, or not, because I think if Whaley wins this fight, we will get the Rose well, trilogy. It's hard to answer the question because I would
1: like to see her, and I mean this sincerely, dude. Like that, that the first Whaley, the Zhang Wei Li fight was fucking brutal, dude. It was brutal as shit. Remember how disfigured she was? Remember that picture she posted like a week or two after the fight, and she was just—I'm not doing a bit here, dude. She looked like an eggplant. Yes, she was purple head to toe, dude. That's not normal. That's not like you got to be. Man, let me just say this: you don't want
0: to see Joanna against Mackenzie Dern, that's you're not into that.
1: Would I think that's an interesting fight? That I think the fans would absolutely love to see. Zero question in my mind. Zero question in my mind. But I don't know, man. She's uh, she's on I mean, those she had long, grueling fights, even when she won. Carolina
0: fight at MSG was fucking brutal, man. They're brutal.
1: I'm just gonna say this, like, and I know this is it's making it personal, but I have no other way to make the argument. The difference in how I feel physically, and I'm not—I'm I'm trying to be serious for just a moment—at 35 versus after 40 is dramatic. It is dramatic, and I can't overstate this enough. For young fighters, it's impossible to imagine yourself as an older version of it, but you have to try. You have to think about your quality of life after 40 and what you want to have and what you want to be able to do and what kind of things are going to be available to you. And for all the neck surgeries and knee surgeries and shoulders and back, to say nothing of the brain itself, when they go like that, when they're like, fuck, I've had enough, I would like to see them honor it. Especially if she can stay in the industry and still help fighters in the way that she was talking about. So to your point, would the fans welcome it? Without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. But I would like to see someone who's had that much damage stay retired.
0: Um, do you agree, though, that back to Esparza versus Whaley, uh, separate from Ioana, in, you know, jumping back into the picture here, is that uh, nobody seems to care about this fight? Though so, on paper, pretty they, good fight. Most people think pretty good fight, though on paper, right? Yeah. Well, on paper, on paper,
1: there's some intrigue to it. Dean Thomas was, you know, he was like, <laughs> she's gonna get decapitated, or whatever the words he used were, but like. People are just dismissing this fight as a foregone conclusion. And yes, I do think Zhang Wiley deserves to be a favorite. Probably considerably so. But I'm not I'm not treating this as a foregone conclusion. Dude, MMA fights are fucking weird. Yeah. You have no idea what injuries people are bringing into contests. You have no idea what little corner people turn. Carlos Sparz has been in this game for a while. She is a hard worker. She can wrestle very well. She has good ground and pound. Yeah, this could go away the way that we're not imagining. It's worth at least taking seriously. I watched we're yet. talking
0: about someone wearing the fucking belt. Yeah, yet. we are. I haven't ta- I haven't watched Embedded yet, so I don't know. But if short hair Whaley shows up again, it's going to be a long night for Carlos. Yeah, short, <laughs> or, short, or a short night. Dude, short hair Whaley it comes to, to F you up. So. All
1: right, let's talk about one of the most exciting fights on this card. Although Dean made a good point about this. Everyone was jazzed about it before the fight was announced. And then after it gets announced and the interest kind of fades a little bit. But Dustin Poirier taking on Michael Chandler, I mean, I don't know how you can't love this fight. First of all, odds, Dustin Poirier, decent favorite, minus 210 to Chandler's plus 180, which I think is about right. BC, is the real story of this that whoever has is less shopworn should win? Less
0: shopworn. It may play out that way because if Michael Chandler is going to win this fight as the small underdog, it's going to be in Michael Chandler ways, which is to rush out there and go guns blazing, be as dangerous as he can for 90 seconds to three minutes. And look, Dustin Poirier. uh, There's an argument to be made if if he's has more accumulated wear and tear than we necessarily realize. And I know I got I get stunted on every time I bring up the two McGregor fights as potential fools gold in hindsight. the, The second and third fight, you know, as like you know, like great wins by Poirier, but is did it make us believe he's at a higher level than he actually is? Um, he, you can you can hurt my, Dustin Poirier any version of him with quick hand speed and, and power. So it is in play that Chandler can get a early knockout and has nothing to do with shop warranty, But yet at the same time, that's a big part of it. But I want to romanticize a different angle and how to frame this fight. Go Are you with me here? Yeah, let's do it. Because when Islam Makhachev fought Charles Oliveira, I think rightfully some of us as media members, and I think you were the first person or you were Chuck said this on our air, and I was like, that's right. You know, it's the old guard uh, against you know Oliveira representing in his late career turnaround. You know, the last-ditch the last ditch effort of that old guard. What's that old guard? Look, let's be honest. The last six, seven years of the lightweight division, it's not only been historically deep, it's not only been fun as shit on the pay-per-view level, but there's killers. There's future Hall of Fame killers across the board from RDA, Connor, Tony, Eddie Alvarez, Gaethje, Chandler, and Poirier. I mean, it has just been a run of just killers making great fights against each other. But when Islam beat Charles, it, and Charles obviously in that mix, it, look, it felt, Luke, like, even though they're close in age, Islam and Charles, it felt like the new generation of hammers is coming, like the first Ice World Hoth scene in episode six, right? They've taken over. This could feel like, because it's the only combination we haven't seen, more or less, of all these great action stars that have reigned over this division, this could be the last stand for these guys, meaning they're going to come out here and bang Chandler and Poirier, the winner is going to have a strong argument in the title chase because Mahachev's got the belt. It could be Alexander Volkanovsky, and he's campaigned for it. And Dana seemed to be like, okay, you know, that's certainly an option we can do. But I'm here to tell you, if Chandler comes out here and knocks out Poirier, he's going to get the title fight. It it just Sometimes that's the way the UFC goes. So, Luke, is there there more to that romanticism of that gone-by era that this could be, you know, we just saw the changeover. Oliveira gave way to Mahachev, this new era of Saryukians, and all these guys are here. But is this the last two old cowboys from this stage that are going to face off? For for is this the last chance? Any of those names I mentioned are going to fight for this title?
1: Seems like it could be. Seems like that's very much on the table. Um, I, I agree with your assessment in totality. Um, hard to know if this is actually the Swong song. But it sure does feel like it, doesn't it? I mean,
0: everybody fought each other with the, you know what I mean? Right. Of those, right. Of those You've, guys I mentioned. Y- yeah,
1: Tony is where he is at this point, which I think is, you know, probably closer to the way out than uh, he has been in some time. Um, Gaethje's still around, but we've seen him tested against the top, and it didn't go all that great. We've seen
0: him lose for the title twice in recent. Right. Years, so yeah. he's kind ha- of now
1: Habib is gone, so that opens up the division a little bit. You think, but then Makachev does what he does against Oliveira, that seems to seal it right back. Competitive up.
0: Competitive Connor is gone. Two hundred sixty-five pound gone. Yeah. two
1: hundred Heavyweight Connor is still quite around um yeah i think it actually could be it really really could i think this is an interesting and and kind of again makachev was sort of the bookend or like the harbinger of hammer doom that's coming down the pipeline and then this kind of tells you like these guys are you know they've they're close to retirement michael chandler not here for a long time here for a good time dustin poirier getting close to 35 at this point so and by the way i want to go through this very quickly if just just listen to the names that fucking Poirier has fought since he's been in the UFC. By the way, making his WEC debut in 2010, so he's been with ZOO for that long, made his UFC debut in January of 2011. So upcoming here in January it'd be, what, 12 years he's been in the UFC? 12 fucking years. Josh Grisby, who at the time was a big name. Some other ones here. Max Holloway, he beat or he fought Chan Sung Jung, Cub Swanson, Diego Brandao, Conor McGregor, Carlos Diego Fajera, Yancey Medeiros, Bobby Green, Michael Johnson, Jim Miller, Eddie Alvarez, Anthony Pettis, Gaethje, Alvarez, uh, Holloway, Nurmagomedov, Hooker, two McGregor fights, and then Oliveira. Dude, he has fought every fucking body good. who mattered. Yeah, yeah Everybody yeah. who mattered. And, we could do and
0: another beat, resume review on him. And,
1: and beat the vast majority of them. Um, but I think that chapter, as you indicated, that chapter is coming to a close and the new guys are starting to slowly take over.
0: Do you sure. live with me, though? And I've, I've had some debate on and off camera about this on different uh, platforms, but I believe that if the winner gets a knockout here and they look great doing it, that's the perfect first title defense for Mahachev in the UFC's eyes. It doesn't mean that Volkanovsky if won't get, get his shot. If they not get the Volkanovsky one? Or- I mean, well, what, what, could, what could either of these men do in your eyes to trump Volkanovski, and getting the next lightweight
1: title. So very easily, to your point, go in there and absolutely have a blood and guts affair, but with a dominant finish, a decisive finish, and then taking that mic from Daniel, or it would be Rogan this time, from Rogan and being like, Makachev, we got a fucking date on the calendar, and just let him fucking know. Drop that mic, right? Just drop, just just like you, it, Like, Chandler, because know. he's a
0: company guy, he's been to the title level once, and he almost won it in the first round against Olives, but do you think Poirier could get a third crack here?
1: Yes. Yes, Poirier 33, he'll be 34 in January. Um, so he's, he's pretty close. Uh, I think he can. I think that there's fan enthusiasm. Here's the thing. It's like, dude, Benil Dariush's resume at this point clearly shows that he should be getting the title shot. So yeah. if he got one, I would in no way be unhappy. But as he indicated, as he told us in other media outlets, he's just not going to be that guy who just goes about calling for things. Um,
0: Come on, Benny, be that guy. He went about and calling about the name of Jesus Christ, and I was like, respect. You know what I mean? Right.
1: Well, so to your point about like getting on the microphone after you know Chandler will. Chandler always has you know a thing loaded in the
0: chamber oh, yeah. ready for that. He's like Dana, I'm about to slap that dick. Let put me on your. Put, get, <laughs> let me fight for the slap dick championship. Slap dick right?
1: Championship. <laughs> uh, yes, I think it could, it, but it does require. I don't see how this is not an action fight, whoever wins or loses, but it does require the fight to have a decisive finish and then a decisive call-out that the fans really want to get behind. That's what has to happen.
0: That's not CKB uh, pro, that take right there, okay? Uh,
1: No, it's not. All right, BC, the rest of the card, there's a lot of different fights here. Here's one fight we haven't really talked about, which is the Frankie Edgar versus Chris Gutierrez. Oh, wait, we have
0: sound, though, from Poirier-McGregor. You yeah. want to play the sound real quick? Yeah, Sha- our guy Shaq has been working his sorry about, balls Sorry though.
1: about that, the guys in the back. I forgot to get to the sound. I apologize. We quickly go back to Poirier. Dude, any
0: yeah. chance you get to to take down Shaq's attempt to be on the show, you're like— I was
1: literally like, about to throw to his audio here on the Frankie. Oh, all
0: right. I thought you were whack-a-mole, No, Shaq. No, 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 no,
1: no, 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 quite the opposite. Uh, Mike Brown, of course, who was a decorated WEC champion and is now the head coach at ATT, talked about Poirier's changes since the Oliveira fight. This is from our guy, Shaq, uh, Majuri. Let's hear what he had to say.
2: We're coming off for Poirier, the Oliveira
1: fight. Um, coming out of that, what did you sort of examine as the one thing you wanted him to sharpen the most or improve on the most?
2: Uh, I think our, our ups getting back to our feet and, uh, choke defense. You know, I think it was, you know, lack of concentration or, or whatever it might be, but, uh, you know, we got caught. We got caught in, in a rear naked something that we've we worked on quite a bit. And he had, and that's not like that. That doesn't happen in the gym. So he's very tight, and he's really good in these positions. But it was kind of out of the ordinary. Uh, just didn't get the the job done that night. We got to get MTB
0: on the RSD couch. Is he here in town? I hope uh, if he is. If you're here, if Michael Mike Thomas Brown, if you're hearing my voice, come um who do you think has a bigger uh holy hammer of shaq's uh Majori or o'neal i'm sorry what o'neal who shaquille o'neal
1: oh i think shaquille o'neal's got a hammer in his dungarees the size of shaq majority
0: <laughs> uh we appreciated that uh can sound you imagine the size of that thing
1: it's but,
3: probably no, unbelievable but
0: to the point though of, of what poria has to do dean talked about it that second round against Oliveira. a little too content on his back
1: a little too content just creating back exposure just you know not having a great it's funny he's a black belt in jiu-jitsu he's good at jiu-jitsu obviously Dustin but the back defense for chokes has been it's been a problem granted against Olivera and Habib who are real fucking good at it so you know you got to be a little bit understanding but yeah I mean this is the thing Dustin Poirier is a pretty complete fighter at this point not not fully but he's got most of his base is covered. It's just tightening the screws here, adjusting here a little bit, and he can get to where he wants There's to no go. There's
0: no foreign objects in MMA. This isn't pro wrestling. Luke, you can't pull brass nucks out of your trunks. And, no. But could he put <coughs> some of that, that Poirier hot sauce like on his grundle of his shorts? Like I don't think they checked that at the prep point. They don't like, reach like this. He don't. should
1: do the Chong Lee thing so, and just throw it in his eyes. Well,
0: imagine if he had a little bit of that KO edition, like the ghost pepper edition. Dude, that go- that motherfucking he, thing is hot. It was like this, goes and reaches t- to the face, and then just rubs it in the eye. Like Cassius Clay against Sonny List in part one. Um, would you be down with that? I mean, if you ain't, you know.
1: If you, you ain't know. cheating, you ain't trying. All right, one more on this. We have Greg Jones, of course, who's the coach of Michael Chandler, on actually something of the opposite, a little bit. Not the opposite totally, but a little bit. He doesn't really want to change Chandler in ways that would actually hurt his performance, just to, to he wants to keep him a little bit who he is. Let, let's hear this. A gunslinger. As a coach, how does it make you feel? knowing that the general perception going into this Dustin Poirier fight is that it's going to be another all-out beat-em-up war? Does it have to
2: be? <laughs>
3: <laughs> no. Um, you know, for better or worse, he, he certainly lived up to that. Um, now we can, you know, figure out how to merge. That's who Michael Chandler is. That's
1: who Michael Chandler's always been. Um and I don't think we're at the point in the career where we're going to change that, but we can uh, definitely make some adjustments to uh, possibly, uh, you know, figure out when to uh, when to intelligently attack, uh, when to be technical, um, when to brawl, when not to brawl, um,
0: and some things like that. So um, I think uh, I think he's I think he's trying to figure
3: that out, and yeah. um, you know, he's still going to continue to be. Whatever he does, he's going to be a good draw, and
0: he's going to be exciting. Look at that, Shaq. No care for the environment. He's interviewing people while they're driving. I mean, it's great. You just know, doesn't just... give a shit. About yeah, yeah, the Shaq MMA channel, by the way, has a lot of goodies on it, so check that out. Uh, Greg Jones can wrestle, Luke. Yeah he can. yeah, he can. Yeah, he can. All right, that's going to be a shootout. But as you mentioned, the rest of 281, uh, there's a few bangers up and down this.
1: There is. All right, so let's go to this very quickly. One more piece of sound that we want to get to. We, here's a fight we've ignored, BC, a little bit, and yeah. I think to our own detriment, to the audience's detriment, This is the swan song for Frankie Edgar. And I got to say this. This is a general guy who's been, I've been there. I remember very distinctly. I didn't know who I didn't know who the fuck Frankie Yeager was when they had him debut against Tyson Griffin. Tyson Griffin at the time was kind of like one of these like hammers of the lightweight division, and I was like, ah, who the fuck is this bozo, Frankie Eger? I never heard of him. And then Frankie went in there and then f- gave it to him. I couldn't believe I was like shocked. I was like, so it's so impressive. And dude, he has done absolutely amazing things. But I just want to say this: I am glad he is retiring. Yes. Because he has taken a fuck ton of damage. The the last of it being really scary for me the Sandhagen loss where he just got iced in or the, second
0: the front kick from Cheeto which was at one of Terrible. the MSG shows a year ago yes um, that I'm gonna be that should have been it right that, that should have been, been it. it but he's getting a chance to close out the show here oh don't show that don't show it, please oh fucking me. Come on. You know, yeah Mikey can't see. My, our producer Mikey More Miles in Jersey I where think, he grew up I, yeah
1: no, but I think this tell me if I'm wrong I think even Frankie Edgar fans no one's happy to see him go but I think they realize it's time. It's time to It's time to call it a day. Now,
0: Mikey's always like, let me talk. Let me call my grandmother and we'll see if we can get an interview with Frankie. Yeah,
1: his grandmother, Frankie's, or excuse me, Mikey says his grandmother calls him once a month to ask him if Frankie has retired yet. (laughs) Uh, But let's go to this piece of sound. This is a good question. Like, how does Frankie actually want to be remembered? I would love to hear what he has to say about this. Our guy, Shaq, got some sound. When people are telling the Frankie Edgar story, how do you want it to read? Like, what do you want to be remembered for?
2: You know, I've been getting this question a lot. And I, You know, it's just that like, when, when, you, when you see me fight, you know I put my all into it and I want to win. That's, that's When people tell me that, that's, that's the bit. Not even winning, not even this. Like, damn, man, you fight with so much heart. And like, yeah, that's, that's, that's what it's all about to me. Because uh, I never go in the fight saying, I'm going to show my heart tonight. I just fight. And uh, the fact that I do and people appreciate it, that's what it's all about.
1: Well, mission accomplished, if you ask me. Yeah, I mean— He will always be remembered for that. Dude, blood and guts fights and was a champion uh, in this organization at a time when he was massively outweighed.
0: Was a champion essentially two divisions above what what could or should have been his best operating weight. I mean, he was never—when we talk about the damage he's accrued, part of that is because he never fell out. Yeah, he moved around divisions, got new chance, new start. But, like, even into his late 30s, he was a legitimate title contender. That time he fought Max Holloway, it was sort of like he's legitimately earned it to be here. A guy who, yes, always carried that blue-collar Rocky mentality almost and, you know, rewatched the frickin' Maynard fights to see how ridiculously uh, recuperative he is and tough and all that. But, Luke, like, skills-wise, he's had evol- evolved through eras, moving down in weight, which is not always the natural direction with age, And until recently, never stopped. Never stopped being truly elite across the yes. board. You know, he's had tough losses. He's always rebounded, always beaten big names. Remember when he beat Cub Swanson that time? It was sort of like, I remember that was the first time, like, oh, shit, he's not done yet. Nope. That was a long-ass time ago that he beat Cub Swanson, right?
1: right? I mean, and, yeah. and by the way, the fight with Holloway, if you look at the scores, it was like 49-46 or 50-45, I think even. But he was in it. But he was in it. Like, yeah. the scores don't reflect actually how competitive that was. He was competitive in three different divisions for, what, like 15 years or some absurd amount of time? So we'll see how that goes. Dude, Chris Gutierrez, the guy he's up against, Factory X, Mark Montoya trained five. Is fucking good. This is
0: bantamweight.
1: This is Bantamway. Yeah, okay. Gutierrez, a phenomenal leg kicker, phenomenal output. This is a tough fight for Frankie. I'm not going to lie. And by the way, the odds: Frankie plus 185, Chris Gutierrez minus 215. Gutierrez, if my wife is listening. All right. Also on this card, BC uh, Dan Hooker.
0: Yeah, we haven't talked about this fight against at all.
1: Claudio Puelles. Um, I asked. I asked. Danny Segura last night because he knows Claudio pretty well. By the way, know, have you ever heard him talk? He speaks English very well. He can do commentary, obviously, in Spanish, being from Peru and everything. Mm-hmm. Sharp kid, very sharp kid. I asked Danny Segura, I was like, dude, be honest with me, be honest with me. What do you actually think Claudio's upside is? And his answer was, that that kid's going to be top five. You wait. He has two back-to-back knee-bar submission victories in his uh, for the last one. No, it was against Clay Guida in the last one. Dan Hooker is certainly a much higher quality uh, uh, opponent at this stage of their respective careers. However, BC, like, what do you make of what Dan Hooker has been through? Because he went to 145, he looked like diced to the fucking socks, but not in a healthy way. Yeah. Now he's back at 155, but it's like, dude, and and Dan's blown off the damage. I brought it up to him before. I'm like, my man, you're taking a lot of damage. And he
0: blows it off because he's so mentally tough. But I do worry about it. Do you worry about it? Absolutely, yes. And, you know, I mean, is it... This is hard conversations to have. Like, what? Where, I guess, you know, you just asked me what I think about Dan Hooker. I was going to kind of ask you the same thing. Do we feel like he was once a legitimate riser and, and at any given night could beat anybody in the world and went five hard rounds with Poirier? And, you know, if he had won that fight, he could have been in title contention. But the same thing you could say through the years for a Michael Johnson, Luke. Has he become – is he in firmly the Michael Johnson period of his career where, you know, in the weight class he operates – Dude, he, I mean, you know, Michael Johnson one-shotted Dustin Poirier in between a lot of losses. I, I don't want that to be for Dan Hooker, Luke. That's not, it's not that that's a, it's a horrible spot to be in where you're just a dangerous out who could fight anybody. But there were, there were moments when it looked like he was knocking on the door of legitimate title contention. Can he ever get back there or is it over? If you asked me, gun to my head, which direction I think is more likely, it's, it's the bad direction. I mean, could he win this fight? Of course. What has been missing? What is he missing, Luke? He gives blood and guts all out. Yeah. He's, he's got
1: well, some... well, he is the favorite. He's the slight favorite. Minus 145 to plus 125.
0: But every era can't have everyone... Be a badass and win all the fights. There's got to be the tough guy who comes in there and lose kind of loses to each one in the end. He's
1: a phenomenal striker, but I think he's taken a lot of damage. I think that guys who can mix it up a little bit with him um, and pressure him uh, have been able to show some of Chandler to that effect. Been able to show a lot. Um, Dustin Poirier pushing him backwards with you know actually much more forward striking, playing games with lead foot position, all that kind of stuff. Um, he's good. Dan Hooker's very good. Remember, Dan, Dan Hooker knocked out fucking Gilbert Burns. Yeah. Like people, people forget that like he did that shit. So. Um, he is quite talented, but yeah, this but, dude, but Claudio what, Poigas, is really, really, really good. Ha,
0: has he done enough lately, Dan Hooker, when trying to fight off that losing streak and kind of reset himself, and now he's back in this division? Has he done enough lately to give you legitimate confidence that there's another run in him?
1: No. No, I don't think that. Um, I mean, again, I, 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 I'm making an a educated guess. But right, it's, a, it's a
0: difficult conversation to have right now.
1: He's only 32, but man, listen to, like, the, he's... Okay, so he had his best run... You could either say it was the run from Ross Pearson to Gilbert Burns where he KO'd Jim Miller. Excuse me. He KO'd Ross Pearson. He choked out Mark Giacasey, KO'd Jim Miller, then KO'd Gilbert Burns. Like, that is a fucking run. Loses to Barboza. That was a brutal fight where he got viciously beat up. Brutal fight, yeah. But then he rebounded, beat James Bick, uh, uh, knocked him out. Decisioned ally Quinta, and then uh, had a really hard fight against Paul Felder, but he got the win. I thought Felder won that one, but he got the win. Then he had that, I mean, brutal fight against Dustin Poirier. Then he got viciously KO'd, TKO'd, excuse me, against Michael Chandler. Rebounded against um, Nasrat Hakparast, but that was a little bit more of a winnable affair. Got KO'd quickly by Makachev, and then had that terrible fight at 145 with Arnold Allen. So he's lost four of his last five. None of them are chumps. None of but them are the Huck,
0: Was it the Huck Pros fight that he showed a legitimate focus on wrestling to try to create yes. another avenue of success for him? Yes,
1: yes, he did. So he could, dude. dude Dan Hooker is well rounded. But at some point, the body can only absorb so much. His argument, by the way, to me, for folks who wonder when I brought it up to him, his answer was, yes, I've taken shots everywhere. But, like, it's not like boxing where we just saw, sadly, um, you know, your vicinity, excuse me, where it was just really everything is obviously from the waist right. up from the front. Um, he's like, I got leg kicked in the Barboza fight and I got body kicked and I got punched, but it was this distributed punishment. But even that, if you take too much of that over time, yes, you're taking less brain trauma. That's true. But the the body can – I I keep saying this to people. There's a finite capacity for damage, and I I wonder really where he's at in that whole equation.
0: Um, How about absolute banger alert? Brad Riddell versus Hainato Moicano. This thing's going to get – Wild and hairy and, and manly. There's going to be a lot of man going on in there. Yeah, that's a real
1: tough fight. Brad Riddell, a slight underdog at plus 100 to Moicano's minus 125. Moicano not having his best showing coming in on late notice against RDA. But oh, but he had a great showing of, of like, ridiculous, ridiculous heart. Dude, yeah. Mo- Moicano's in an interesting spot in his career. He's been up, he's been down, he changed weight classes. He's in that senior-ish stage of his career where he, like, he, you know, he reminds me of, you're going to laugh at this a little bit, Remember when we saw Andre Durrell fight last weekend? Yeah. A bit of that, like, like I don't give a fuck anymore attitude. Yep. doesn't mean you fight undisciplined. It just means you know exactly what you have to do when you fight, and fuck it, you're just committed to it.
0: Unfortunately, Dan Hooker fights like that every fight, Luke. No, no, no what well, we're talking about. I know, I'm just saying yeah. that maybe that's the problem. Yeah. Maybe he's got well, that attitude.
1: Well, yeah, maybe. But Moicano is in a little bit of that stage. Riddell, to me, is a little bit more careful. Um,
0: but we'll see how that plays yeah. out. Yeah, we already talked about how much I'm fired up for the Aaron Blanchfield Molly McCann fight. McCann, the biggest underdog at plus 320, is going to have to show a next level, seeming uh, well rounded ability. You know, can she do another one of these spinning back fist knockouts? I don't know. This is a tough uphill climb. But Luke, you know what we are not talking about at frickin' all? Mm. The return Dominic Reyes? of Dominic Reyes yeah. taking on Ryan Span. Reyes is the <coughs> betting favorite as we break things down right now. Minus two hundred five to the plus one seventy-five span. But what's wild, Luke, is it was what? Three years ago that he fought John Jones to the type of flip the coin performance that I thought he even won. though he lost, it was like a moral victory in everyone's eyes. And with John giving up the title after that, if, didn't it feel like a like a no brainer, natural transaction? John's out. We got a new division of young 205ers, and our new cowboy to lead the the cavalry is Dom Reyes. Now it didn't go to script because Jan Blavhovich came out there in his late thirties and kicked a hole in Dom Reyes' side. I think there's probably still a black and blue mark there, Luke. Probably. And then, of course, he got into all-out war with uh, Yuri Prohatska. Did not he Did lose he, did He, lose oh, any- he got yeah.
1: viciously KO'd.
0: Yeah. Did he lose anybody else in between there? Was it just, um, it's three straight losses. Okay, so those are the three. It's three straight losses. But, Luke, he's taking off a long time to rest physically. This layoff will be a little bit more than a year, I believe. And he has a new team going to Connecticut, Team Glover Teixeira, working with Podeta, Wellington, Terman, getting that same Connecticut air that – and um, Antonina Shevchenko was putting out on IG that same energy, right? That mm-hmm. same air with the leaves and shit. Connecticut's just a, you know, people always, you know, Joe Rogan always says that bit that it's like a stop on the highway between <laughs> New York and Boston. It is, yeah. No, it's just it's beautiful. It's an it's an it's an incubator of art, Luke. It's
1: an incubator
0: of disease. And um, failure. What are realistic expectations at age thirty-two for what the time off, the perspective, the injuries, the dominant devastating losses? are for Dominic Reyes because it feels like he never Instead had forty two, thirty two. 32 it feels like he's never been able to capitalize on the moment of that John Jones performance yet will he ever be that same guy will he be a different but equal version it, it, you know what's going to happen with Dom Reyes come Saturday night this is interesting so
1: he hasn't taken a ton of damage in that sense but he's been viciously put out i do wonder what that's done to his confidence a little bit i'm not saying i know i'm saying i want to see what happens here on saturday um Because Span is in certain ways a very good fighter, in other ways a very limited fighter. He's got certain strengths that are quite noticeable. You
0: leave an opening for him, he'll get you out of
1: there. Exactly right. Good hand speed, very powerful. Um, He can get it done, but he's got other limitations. You would think that Reyes should fight the more careful, wide-ranging, offensively coordinated fight. I guess we shall see what happens there. I think if he slugs it out, that could be a bit of a problem for him.
0: Um, Do you like his wrestling? Reyes? Yeah.
1: When he needs it, it's okay. Okay.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And he's a good athlete. Iron does sharpen iron last time I checked.
1: Yeah, no, no I, I, like I said, dude, I'm curious to see what he's got here. That'll be interesting. And by the way, I think you indicated this in terms of the odds. Yes. Just one more time, Dominic Reyes sitting at minus 205. So a decent favorite there. We'll see what happens. I
0: think he played college football in Long Island, correct? Didn't he go to Stony Brook?
1: Stony Brook, yeah. Yeah, so
0: he knows, he knows the fall in this area is just money.
1: Just beautiful. All right, well, that in mind, BC, those are our top five top. What
0: would it take to get you to move to New England? I mean, what would it take? <laughs> if Showtime is watching...
1: Or I should say, CBS is watching. Pay me.
0: Would you actually? Would Pay you? Pay me. Actually, you know what? To be close enough to the Greater New York City area, imagine if you moved to Greater Danbury, Connecticut, like Chuck Minden Hall territory over there. Oh, I'd rather just die. Over Tishera t- uh, territory over there.
1: I'd, ra- I'd, ra- I'd, ra- I'd honestly rather just in
0: that a- Danbury metro area. You could find that same solace and peace of mind that that uh, Dom and Antonina found.
1: Yeah, I don't. I'm not interested in that bullshit. Um, fuck Connecticut. All right, BC. Let's do more of our uh, paying our bills bit. MMA fans, we've got an unreal match going head to head this week. Tune into UFC 281 this Saturday to watch the action unfold between Israel Adesanya and Alex Pereira. But wait, BC. But wait. There's something you can do right now, ahora mismo, to make things even more exciting. Today's video sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook, the official betting sports partner of the UFC, is giving new customers an amazing deal. BC, all new customers have to do is sign up using the promo code COMBAT with a K, bet five smackers, $5 on either fighter to win before the fight starts, and you get an additional $200. Dollars in free bet if your bet wins. Hey, look, great deal. Pr-
0: fight predictions are like, you know, ass cavities. Everybody's got one. I don't care about yours. You probably don't care about mine either, but you can put $5 down if you think Israel Adisonia is going to defend his title or you think Alex Pereira can upset the apple cart. If your fighter wins, man, $200 in free bets, that's an easy way to get involved in the action, and nobody gets you involved any deeper than DraftKings, the official betting partner of the UFC. So, look, we need these people, our fans, I wanna put a little cheddar on top, right? A little wager on top of your fun here. Uh, why don't you download the DraftKing app today? What should they do after that? What's All step right, two so in once this? Once they practice?
1: download the DraftKing Sportsbook app, of course. Use the promo code COMBAT. You can bet $5 on any UFC 281 fighter to win.
0: And if you're wondering, it's safe, secure, it's reliable, all that good stuff. DraftKings has your back here, okay?
1: Yeah, of course. Safe, secure, safe, secure reliable. Best of all, of course, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want, so they don't hold on to it, which is a very good thing. And again, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use the promo code COMBAT. Bet 5 bucks on any UFC 281 fighter to win and get $200 in free bets if your bet wins. That's code COMBAT this Saturday. DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the what a
0: relationship dk and mk
1: dk mk
0: and if you if you're in one of those states that doesn't allow draft kings to gamble you can play their their daily fantasy games you can win a lot of money as well luke okay everyone wants to win money that's the thing you know do you think it's you think playing slots is sad if you're a male or, is it, or Wait, should it's we...
1: not sad to play it as a female
0: i think it's like old ladies love that shit you know
1: oh you mean old ladies yeah okay um Yeah, old blue hairs can just sit there and fucking—that's the most mobility work they get in the day.
0: Yeah, yeah. If you if if you ever get to that point where you're vaping in front of a slot machine, I'm never gonna I'm never gonna talk to you. Dude, just take me out back like old yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Job. All right. Speaking of out back, Luke, you know I grew up in Connecticut, factory town, and to me, Luke, I'll always say it because it's true. Madison Square Garden, the world's most famous arena. It's still it's friggin' special. real to me. It's it's special. One of the best concerts I ever saw, the Black Crows. I was on the floor, 2004, New Year's Eve, right? I've been to Knicks playoff games in the 90s, Stanley Cup playoff action with the Rangers, concerts, circuses, you name it. What goes on in that building feels a little extra special. Codo Margarito at the Garden, I've been there too. So, Luke, looking back on how long, of course, it took UFC to finally get back in the state of New York, there was that corrupt senator, right? Who was like Union, yes, for Tita's no? Oh,
1: Sheldon Silver.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, he went to jail. But the reason he played a key role he got out. because until 2016, you could not do this. It was the last remaining state. So, Luke, let's give UFC credit. Beginning in 2016 with UFC 205, they've come to the garden five times in the six years since, missing that one year because of COVID. And for the most part, but in particular, those first two cards, 205 and 217, I mean, look, it's magic in that arena, right? Yep. BMF was magic, although I was in the Canelo-Kovalev uh, Arena in Vegas during that watching on the big screen. But, I mean, l- let's start it off here. UFC at MSG, it means something. It's a major, correct? It is
1: always a big deal. It's a. It's an important place in combat sports history, and the UFC has played
0: an important role in that. So to fill time on this week's Wednesday episode like we always do, your boy BC right here is going to count down, and I've been in the arena for most of them, the top 10 moments of UFC at MSG since the arrival in 2016, Luke. I'm going to be interested to get your opinions on what's on here and what's not, where you were when you saw them and all that. But, Luke, before I reveal number 10, there's been a lot of great knockout finishes that did not make my list. Do you remember the front kick from Cheeto Vera against Frankie Edgar? Mm -hmm. Do you remember the head kick from Kevin Lee against Gregor Gillespie that left him pinned against the cage? Do you remember the head kick from Uriah Hall on Corey Anderson?
1: Hmm.
0: I could name you countless okay, we get to great it, knockouts, but you know what my favorite knockout is at Let's UFC see. at MSG? Number 10, Luke, and it went down UFC 205 in 2016, a middleweight matchup, Yoel Romero versus Chris Weidman. When I mention that beheading, Luke, what is your memory of it?
1: Uh, I remember that Weidman had done well for two rounds, and then I was like, oh, he is on his way to something here pretty impressive. And then he got just got viciously put out by the acrobatic athleticism of you all, Romero. It
0: was, the, I'll never forget the way that Weidman's head kind of, you know, got caught and in, 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 in jerked to the left like that. But, Luke, it was at a point in Romero's rise where this was the final fight before he finally got that first interim title opportunity against Robert Whitaker in their first of two largely disputed meetings, but great fights, hellacious. So this was sort of mountaintop, Dangerous Romero, and I remember specifically watching this in the bowels of MSG while doing backstage interviews for ESPN, watching on the monitor and just being like, "Oh shit, this guy is is a is not just a freak of nature." Yeah, sometimes it looks like he cheats in there. He had a couple of those weird fights, right, where he's like playing with the cage and remember that? He had, didn't you all have a couple of like weird moments on the rise there? Yeah, he's always had. And that, really weird. But it was at this fight that that I think showed a lot of us. I mean, look at look at this, Luke. Remember that moment right there? Damn, that was that's vicious. number ten from there. All right, Luke, let's keep it going here to number nine. UFC 230 was the third card 2018 of uh, this MSG run. But Luke, if you remember, it was supposed to be. Poirier versus Nate Diaz, and it didn't happen. So our last-minute replacement was largely a forgettable card and a forgettable main event of Daniel Cormier versus Derek Lewis for the heavyweight championship. But Luke, do you remember what happened the morning of that fight? 2.30 2.30 in New York? He
1: sneezed and pulled his back Old oh,
0: D.C., my number nine moment, sneezed, injured his back, and came that close to pulling out. Luke, given that they couldn't make Poirier and Nate Diaz, that there wasn't a strong co-main or <laughs> even really pay-per-view main card, that was kind of their first stinker, how much pressure was on D.C. to just go through with that fight in hindsight?
1: Yeah, and by the way, you're like, oh, that's an old man thing to do, which it is, but I've, I've never pulled my back, but I've actually, like, like in, not injured, but I like, hurt myself holding in a sneeze. Um because uh, I'm old and pathetic as well. So, I if there
0: were some backstage conversations where they're like, "How much can you go? Can you? Can you?" Do-? Yeah, but
1: in the end, here's what I remember about that fight: Dude, DC beat the shit out of Derek. He Lewis. Did. I mean, it, it, it was a scary moment and kind of funny in a way, but.
0: Did it impact performance? Didn't look like it. No, it didn't it, look like it. I was also at uh DC Stipe where uh in Vegas where DC slipped at the dais coming out of the press conference oh, yes. and uh, almost canceled that fight as well. Luca number 8 moment goes back to UFC 205 from 2016. I'll call it this, the forgotten title classic. Is classic too strong a word? Welterweight Championship, Tyron Woodley versus Stephen Thompson. Luke, like Rose versus Carla II, when you get a stinker like these two had in their rematch, although it was very technical, actually had more action than Rose versus Carla II. people forget. What should they remember about this fight? from two- Everyone uh,
1: wanted Tyron to lose. There was a lot of people that thought Tyron was going to lose, and they thought Tyron would have nothing for Wonder Boy on the feet, and it turned out that this fight was a draw, right, if I recall correctly. Yes. Um, but that it was Tyron who did the most impressive work of the two, although they, I think they had rocked each other a little bit, right? Um, but Tyron made the—this was fight of the night on this, this card. This was a
0: great fight. People
1: forget that. This was a fucking incredible contest. And you're right, the co mate or sorry, the rematch— didn't necessarily live up to
0: the hype, but this one was.
1: Banana. I mean,
0: Wonderboy came that close to being our new champion. He had a right. great performance, and do you remember the choke that he had to escape from? His neck was cranked in the in a front facing guillotine. Look at the picture right there, Luke. Look yeah. at that shit, right? Damn. Yeah, oh the old Reebok shorts that you love. I do. Look at that high C right there. You got then it's you, not a high C. Then you got a. Oh, I thought they. Oh, see, I thought the arm was the leg. I thought he was going right up yeah. the. Uh, nope. Nope. I'd run the. Would you run the pipe in that situation? Just just for. You can
1: run the pipe off a high crotch, yes. Damn right you can. You have to transition. Uh, Oh, it's just shit falling apart here.
0: Wow, what that, that could be a that what do you what do you call? It? I
1: mean, they get mad at us when we get we, we when we clown them a little bit. And I, but we, by the way, you got to say like yesterday with the Izzy interview. Like, yeah, I mean that oh, Jake, was top shelf. Jake was Jake, no, but Brandon set up the shot. Jake edited it, amazing. Ash like set it up. But you know now we got cats and dogs living together. Mass hysteria. So whatever. all
0: right, Luke, let's go to number seven on my memories of top ten UFC at MSG moments. This one goes to UFC two seventeen. Yes, it was two thousand seventeen. Luke eighteen. Excuse me eighteen. I've been off on my ears in this whole countdown. Who cares? TJ Dillashaw versus Cody Garbrandt for the Bantamweight Championship. Former teammates, that old snake in the grass, TJ. But Luke, they got together after a tremendous amount of trash talk. They had an explosive brawl for a round and a half. But it was TJ that kept his form a little bit tighter and got to the chin of Garbrandt. This was not just an explosive knockout to put an exclamation point on a great build. And also, by the way, you remember 217, three bangers in a row that yep. had finishes yep. for the title that was just electric. When TJ got in Cody's face immediately after the stoppage yep. and just screamed at screamed him. Screamed at It was a moment, dude. There was some, I mean, there was some energy dude, in TJ that TJ has
1: always been insanely competitive. And, dude, that was, and then you got to remember, this is also, too, about TJ heading into that contest. It was off the Ultimate Fighter, right? Correct me yeah, if I'm wrong.
0: Was it? I don't know.
1: Well, anyway, it, it was, this was the culmination, anyway, of all of the TJ versus Team Alpha yes. male beef. Yes. And, you know, TJ was called Snake in the Grass by Connor and everything else under the sun. And he had ruined Chris Holdsworth and all these accusations that were made about him. Dude, he got, he got like, you know, uh, he had to deal with a lot of bullshit heading into that. But wasn't the
0: snake in the grass thing when Connor and Uriah were coaching up? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Right. But I'm
1: saying it had followed him. We yes, don't really bring it up anymore, but it had followed him a little bit. And he had kind of adopted it. And then he goes in there and had a, you know, against his rival. And I think he got dropped in the first round, if I don't if I'm not mistaken. Oh
0: yeah. It was a he did get dropped in the first round. But he round.
1: came out and then obviously he closed the show and did it in triumphant fashion or fashion. That's a big
0: moment in his career, big moment in history. Dude, the garden was rocking. Were you in the building for that as well? In the uh, press room. That garden inside of 217 was rocking that night. I'll never forget that. UFC doesn't put me out on the press row. I don't get press row. Let's go over to number six on this countdown, Luke. It goes to UFC 268. That's one year ago this week. UFC at MSG, Justin Gaethje and Michael Chandler combined for really the same exact fight we expect from Michael Chandler versus Dustin Poirier this weekend. Although I think a lot of us are predicting like we did ahead of this one that would end in knockout. Uh, It was a tough ask to look at Justin Gaethje and Michael Chandler and say, live up to what everybody believes you're capable of doing against each other. Uh, I think they kind of exceeded that, right? This was three rounds of craziness. The first round better than two and three, but they gave us exactly what we wanted. We wanted blood. We wanted drama. Do you love this fight as as much as others? I mean, this was a great-ass action fight.
1: Yes. uh, Yes, I did love this fight. It went the distance, which was surprising. Right, and so for that reason, it was—I won't say anticlimactic—but it didn't quite live up to its potential. But in general, was a hell of a contest. And Justin Gaethje again proving that um, I can't say he's the king of these kinds of battles because he did lose this one to Justin to Dustin Poirier. But he is a fucking fierce opponent when it comes to just I'll stand here, you stand there, let's see what happens.
0: You have a favorite fight among all of these guys from this lightweight era—the last six, seven years in the UFC—because mm. this has to be up there. You know, I I personally love the Gaethje versus... Alvarez and Gaethje versus Poirier were just... Yeah, I'm going to say
1: those two because those were ones that like there was so much back and forth. Yeah, and
0: obviously Gaethje, Michael Johnson with uh, Todd Grisham on the call was fantastic. All right, let's go to number five. This moment uh, was incredible. Talk about a trash talk filled beef at UFC 217. Yes, it was TJ versus Cody, but how about Rose Namajunas versus the champ, Yoana champion, Young Jacek? This was their first meeting and uh, the the story on this buildup was JJ went into full villain mode, as we remember, trying to. in Rose's head the entire week and did go seemingly over the line in this build. They're friends now. It's water under the bridge, but you remember uh, JJ called out Rose in a negative fashion for having mental health issues, referenced her dad who uh, had battles with schizophrenia and left the family early and kind of went grimy and grungy in an effort to get Rose off her game, but what did Nami Eunice do? What we didn't know at the time was Ro- Joanna had a horrible weight cut and Rose sent her to the woodshed in round one, dropping her with a big left hook and then shortly after finishing her. And in terms of Rose having a history, and I'm sure we're going to see that this week in the launch of her documentary on Fight Pass, a history of big sort of tear-jerking moments, this was the one where she got on the mic after and said, we don't have to do it this way. We don't have to do trash talk and disrespect. I think my mixed martial arts can help change the world and inspire people. That was an inspirational speech, but that knockout was uh, <laughs> was some closure there. That was destructive. And
1: remember, she, a, a, she had been bullied a little bit heading into that one. Bullet is a strong word, but, like, you know, jo- Joanna up in her face. And Absolutely. This was this was the peak. Talked of, about her dad
0: and mental yeah, health and all that shit.
1: This, is, this was the peak of Joanna doing, like, the pre-fight in-your-face, mm-hmm. fuck you, I'm going to intimidate you kind of boogie thing. Boogie woman. Yeah, boogie woman bit. Um, didn't work this time, did it?
0: No, and uh, the rematch at 223 the following year was sensational over five rounds, but this was one-way traffic with Rose, and can't say it enough – those three fights in a row, all title fights at 217, escalation of moments. I don't know. That was probably the best night I've ever been at. Seriously, that's just really. That was there was magic. There was magic in the air, almost like 236 magic. Almost, you know. Had a good run for a casual. I had a good run at these right. events. Great you know? I'm jealous. All right, number four on my list. Let's go back to UFC 205, which had so many potential moments that won't make it here. But how about this one? Habib Nurmagomedov thought he deserved, as a lot of people did. Main event, title opportunity here against Eddie Alvarez. Conor McGregor jumped in and took that from him uh, with the UFC giving that climbing rocket an opportunity to make this list maybe later. Stay tuned. But Luke, at 205, you saw Habib take on Michael Johnson. And we saw the introduction of many Habib catchphrase big moments, including taking down Johnson in the corner where Dana was and and looking into the camera and saying, I'm going to smash your boy, uh, talking about Conor. And then at the end because this one was, what, a third-round submission win for Habib? Um, Peering over Michael Johnson and saying, like, I I fight for this title. I deserve it. You must quit. You're like, this this was... Habib kind of opening up that character, which really helped him become a pay-per-view star, an unlikely one of sorts, along with the unbeaten record and the build to the Connor fight. It was this moment right here.
1: Also, by the way, I, you know, I don't know how much credit I should get for this, but do you remember afterwards, this is where he went in the post, he talked to the media afterwards they to bring the winners back, and we had asked him, I forget who I asked him was going to get a title shot above him, and he goes,
0: this is number one yes. bullshit. Yes, this, this night that launched- That was a- my
1: question, motherfuckers. Dude,
0: this night launched a lot of t-shirts. Yes. They lost a lot, launched one, a lot of moments. Number
1: one bullshit came from that night, but to your performance, so remember he was talking to Dana? Like, you know, or you, no, he was talking to, was talking to uh, MJ in the fight.
0: I wonder what you do when I talk, because you love to react to what with what I just said. And you're like, hey, remember this? And I'm like, yeah, I remember uh, thirty seconds ago when I said it,
1: you know? I'm sorry, BC. I apologize. But it was a nice moment, right?
0: Yeah, it was. It was number five. Sorry, number four on my list. I'm going to smash your boy. Uh, Habib absolutely dominated Them. He could have won the title that night. He really could have.
1: He was ready to go.
0: Yeah, he was ready. Okay, let's go to number three on my list. UFC 244, the third of three consecutive years for UFC at MSG, and this was all about BMF in particular. Jorge Masvidal being one bad Trump motherfucker. Trump was in the arena. Trump was in the arena. I, as I mentioned, was at the Canelo-Kovalev fight, so I watched this fight on the big screen at the I MGM at Grand, the which is unprecedented, and I'm still upset that DAZN did that, although they gave me a chance to watch it live. But you were there. It was a BMF title, the freaking Rock. Hey, speaking of the Rock, I took my kids to Black Adam yesterday and yeah, the in Dolby Theater. It sucked the horn. How come nobody told me? They loved it. It sucked.
1: Yeah, it was terrible. It was
0: awful. Anyway, The Rock was there that night. Uh, Jorge fell off that mountain somewhat quickly. But this is the peak. Maybe the one was the peak. You could argue. Either way, this is as big as it gets. I mean, can you believe that Dana created a gimmick pro wrestling title and put it as the main event at UFC at MSG with two of the baddest mofos that we all love? And they went out there and they made war. They made war. And Nate got to save face with the commission stopping it after round
1: three. Yeah, and then had the uh, ability to rebound uh, eventually in the way that he did against uh, Ferguson a little bit later. Yeah, this was a—you know what? You're calling it one of the best moments, and it was certainly great and grand, but it was kind of a—I don't know, man. I felt like it was a little one-sided. A little one-sided.
0: Yeah, I mean, Nate had that rally in round three, and then you got the whole fervor of, did they stop it too early? But his cut was bad. Come on, like, let's be fair.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, if it had been in Vegas, they probably would have let it go, but he was getting fucked up. He got dropped several times in this fight. Even
0: though they didn't end up selling this fight, meaning the two fighters like you would have liked because it was, it was too... Do you remember the pre-fight
1: presser? That's where I'm getting to. Oh, we had the we had the the yeah.
0: That's that was my buildup where they didn't they were like two B sides in a way fighting each other, so they they didn't show each other disrespect. We we wanted them right. We wanted them to be two marauders, two cowboys going out there. Instead, they showed each other respect. But I'll never forget that press conference. I was not there. It was right outside there with the Brooklyn Brooklyn Bridge Bridge in the background. Didn't that that was one of the first times that the scumbag MMA media showed us that ridiculous side. Remember, all they did was ask questions about weed and, like... They
1: asked, uh, they asked him, someone asked Nate Diaz if he, like, you know, why are you a vegan or, like, yeah. was it lame to be a vegan? And his answer was, motherfucker, the Terminator's vegan, so...
0: It, w- it was, it wasn't the best showing from the media, but from the UFC setting that up and the look and feel of it and then... Masvidal coming out looking like Tony Montana, as you can see, Roberto Duran in the cage afterwards. The Rock, it was a it was a big deal. Luke, it had to make the top three. It was a big deal on this. Series.
1: Yeah, that has to, it, it certainly holds an important place in history. Would
0: you call last year's card the the fifth and six years disappointing? It had uh, Rose Whaley, and then. Uh, Usman versus Covington, both rematches. I
1: wouldn't say disappointing, but it doesn't stand shoulder to shoulder with the other
0: quarter. Yeah, they didn't make moments in my yeah. top 10 here. All right, number two, Luke, these are easy to predict, right? UFC 217, the main event, five years away after retiring as welterweight champion following that war against Johnny Hendricks. GSP came back on his own terms. He lied to Dana and said, <laughs> remember he had to sign some contract that said, if I win this title, I'll defend it against Robert Whittaker. Boy, did he never do that. But what he did was went in there against Michael Bisping, captured the championship at middleweight, became a two-division king, really, you know, entered immortality. Uh, I was impressed by his performance. Looking back on that, I don't even think we talk about it enough. We reference it, and it's sort of like, yeah, remember GSP did that. That was Because cool. it's a weird one-off. It's weird because Bisping was an aging champion who sort of fell into it by upsetting, you know, we go. on last minute. I mean, look, he took a... He was on vacation. He took a last-minute call, and he knocked out Luke Rockhold. He did, the, he did the job, and he got up twice against Hendo in that first title defense. But... I don't want to look back as much as I've been sometimes critical of Bisping, I don't want to look back and think that I want to look back and remember that this Bushido brick house shit brick motherfucker coming out and just just showing us that nothing's impossible
1: and he didn't fight very reserved did he no he like, fought, he he fought was he, his body was way different he was, his body was different and he fought with a certain kind of intensity that at the end of his welterweight run I mean you gotta remember I thought Hendrix beat GSP in that last fight he had and like you remember GSP's face afterwards oh, it God, was a yeah. fucking mess you know, I thought it was a good time when he got out of the sport. I thought that was a good time because if you remember that era, he was just wrestling everyone to kind of like fairly dull affairs a little bit. And this time he came out and he did wrestle, but How he had that way
0: more. That knocked Bisping down to set up the choke. Remember, Beautiful. That? Like yeah. he just
1: had a lot of. It was like an uppercut. Yeah. Like some of the demons that were haunting him a little bit in that end of that welterweight run in terms of their limiting his performance. Well, he seemed to shed most of those, didn't he? he? He, This was one of GSP's just truly outstanding moments. Outstanding moment in history. Unforgettable. Shame we didn't get to see him more at middleweight, but to do what he did was
0: beyond remarkable. I did wish he came remarkable. back against Habib. I know Dana tried to get in the way of that, but I did wish that happened. Uh, number one is easy, Luke. It's UFC 205. The champ, champ does what yeah. he wants. I mean, this, there's only one choice for this. would like to apologize to absolutely no one. I almost put GSP number one on this list because it was so romantic to see GSP do that. It was really, to be honest, it was a freaking moment when GSP did that. But nothing was bigger than what Conor McGregor did here. Not just in taking over the city. Do you remember that press conference coming in with a jacket? And he told
1: Eddie Alvarez to suck his big Irish balls.
0: Sorry I'm late, <laughs> but I just don't give a fuck. And then, of course, afterwards saying that, you know, I apologize to absolutely nobody and what he said about being the champ champ. this it, 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 It's sacrilege. People say that. It, it's sacrilege to say, you know, he walked on water that night and I, and I don't like saying things like that. But in terms of, like... What's he capable of? Yeah. Dude, he went in there. uh, Granted, Eddie fought the wrong game plan, but he moved up a weight class and took freaking care of Eddie, exactly like he said he did, and then as you like to bring up a lot afterwards, telling the media, I want a piece of the UFC, I want stock, I'm not fighting again until they break me an owner, this was the end of the best of what Conor McGregor had to offer, and no matter what he's done since then, you cannot argue with that version of him sitting on top of that cage with the flag and the two belts, everything he said he would do, he He went out there and he did it, he fought a hellacious schedule for those final two years of just one big challenge after another, no matter injuries or the odds or whatever, that night, Luke, was something I will never forget.
1: Yeah, that was a special moment. There's not a lot of times where you can look at one fighter and be like, they own the game. But that night, he owned the game. He was the king. There's just no denying it. And we all knew, like, Eddie Alvarez, we thought was going to be, like, a really tough opponent because Eddie had, you know, the underground king, still is in many ways. But at that time, I was like, this guy can wrestle. He can strike. He's been battle-tested. Yes, he can be hurt, you know, but that was a fucking tough fight. And Connor just dispatched with him. And then to your point afterwards, just, you know, I apologize to absolutely nobody. Where's my other belt? Blah, blah, blah. Asking for ownership. Connor was... Truly, 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 unmistakably, he was the king of MMA that night. And you can't take anything from him. Overperformed, oversold, bigger than life personality. Yes. What else could you say?
0: And Dead wrong me two oh five was from 2017, of course. I was getting that wrong earlier. But look, that was the same night, by the way unless I'm wrong, that Adesanya fought Derek Brunson, right? Yep, mm-hmm. same card. And and really made a, and, and, a large and, yeah, viciously moving forward. Him. So here okay. we are full circle. So looking back on those moments, I don't think I missed anything major unless you liked a certain knockout or whatever you'd sub in. But the theme there, 205 and 217, the first two years were just next-level magical. It also helped that the cards were so loaded. I remember 205, we had... Rocky Pennington uh, retiring Misha. I mean, there were a lot of moments that led into Woodley Thompson. Carolina versus Ioana was a five-round war. And then you go into the main event with Connor 217 with those three big fights had that same thing. Although 2:30 was kind of lame. We came back big with BMF last year felt a little reserved, even though the matchmaking wise on paper was good. What do you think about this year's card? Just from that standpoint of adding to the lore of when the UFC goes into this building, Madison square garden, it feels extra special than normal.
1: It's got the ingredients to stand shoulder to shoulder with many of the other cards. Ultimately we have to see how it plays out because what we're describing is what happened that night yeah. and we're not at a stage where we're able to do that, but did they put a card on paper? Yeah, the co-main event, I guess we'll see. But did they put other things on that card that can give you the possibility for greatness? They did. They did. So we, we shall see.
0: Future champion Kevin Lee had a, maybe the best knockout in this. Series. The Gregor Gillespie yeah, knockout—that's that one of the most sick. insane knockouts. The way his head hit the back of the cage as he went down. Damn! All right, Luke. Um, what people should do though when they're watching. UFC 281 this weekend is tune in live with us. We will have a pay per view main card live companion show here on Morning Combat. So you're not going to want to miss that. Maybe we'll get some sweet nectar to sip on. Uh, but Luke, when you're watching the undercards, you should probably be on the lookout for some hashtag holy hammers. Yes, Am I right?
1: Be. Yes, you should be looking out for some motherfucking
0: holy hammers. And what I'm talking about is uh, people tagging that out there. We hear you, we see you, and we know that this month, one of our favorite sponsors, Money Lion, the only money app you'll ever need. You know the commercial by NARA. It's got a brand new segment because uh, they want to collaborate with us and really give some notice of who the hell is coming on strong. It's the hammer of the month. Every month, we're going to vote. We're going to have the fans pick, correct? Mm-hmm. And then that winner, that fighter's going to get their own very solid MK Golden Hammer.
1: So what you got to do? Hop on to your go-to social platform and tell us who you think should be nominated by tagging MoneyLion at MoneyLion on Twitter or at MoneyLion Inc on Instagram, and then use the hashtag Hammer of the Month. We'll also accept Holy Hammer if you want to yes. do that. Uh, for more information, go to moneylion.com/morningcombat.
0: This month we've already had a few contenders. I like Pauliana Viana's knockout. I really do. It's a good video.
1: one. I don't know. The, I don't, to me, nothing tops Paul Hughes what he's done so far. But we shall see. There are some. I mean, we got some great fights coming up this weekend.
0: All right. It is Wednesday, so what we do to close the show every week is. We we give you this email address. It's morningcombat at gmail.com. Mikey's there and waiting, and uh, you send us your artwork. He decides whether it's too racy. I mean, we see some of the cutting room floor ones.
1: They are. Now, they guys, are. if you want to make it to show, we appreciate all of the fan subs. Try not to be explicitly pornographic. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a fairly safe guide rail.
0: I don't know. That one that one that uh, JP had with Joanna and Brett, that was a good one. I wish that one caught, caught the good one. It was that's a pretty good, good, one. good one. All right. Uh, sometimes you send us... Tight T-shirt picks, too. It's called Fans Admissions. Let's see. You've got mail. Viewers. have got mail. Viewers. All right. Let's go. Let's tap out here. Hey, Dawn, is this Dawn Paquette from uh, Mount U Nike here? Uh, in- Dawn is including original Miami and Key West picks hey. from her and JP. The- JP has made this segment. Blow that own. up. Let's
1: see that on the full square. Or, you know, three box if you can do it. As
0: we talked about last week, uh, Dawn is the boss. She's got this great job. She travels the globe. I, I do love Key West. you like Key West? I've never been there, but I want to. You've never been to Key West? No. Oh, no. man, I like Key West. But uh, what the Paquettes, what a great couple. Yeah. All
1: right. Yeah, by the way, Key West has some of the best uh, key lime pie. Really? Yeah. There's a place there that serves them like on a stick. They freeze them.
0: Okay, I've always wanted media. to go. Uh, are you like a big Ernest Hemingway guy where you go see like all those no. houses? Mm-mm. I always wanted to go to Dry Tortugas National Park where they put Dr. Samuel Mudd, the guy who worked on John Wilkes Booth after... At Ford's Theater, you know, afterwards, you know? Uh, I don't know
1: much about that story, no.
0: Okay, the doctor that helped John Wilkes put the broken foot when he jumped off the stage after yeah. shooting Lincoln, that doctor got arrested, caused for treason, put in the uh, old Spanish base there uh. down off the Florida coast, all right? Very cool. Yeah. All right, Luke, let's go over to Wren. Hello from the land of Smiles. A.K.A. Thailand. What kind of what kind of gross smiles are we getting here if we look from Thailand? Well, Why has it got to be gross? It doesn't have to be. Thanks to everybody for their hard work for making MK great and unique, but a fan since the bunker days. How lucky and spoiled are we with the combat content that's available to us to consume? Thank you. Take it easy, but keep it crazy. Why is
1: my hand the size of a catcher's mitt?
0: P.S. As I check in to watch the show, I enjoy a coconut to keep my jaundiced liver from checking out. So what is the... Okay, so this is him watching us. While he's eating a coconut. Who is that
1: behind me? Do we know? Who is that behind me?
0: Is that an old fan sub that we're watching? I don't or understand. Or it what doesn't
1: determine who is right, only who is left, Biatch. All right, well, this is a weird one.
0: Okay, thank you, Ren. Is that a real episode that he's watching? Is that like a...
1: No, my hand looks like it's the size of a uh, the Mickey Mouse glove, and I got headphones on despite talking into it. A... Okay,
0: so let's see. Can we blow that picture up one more time and see what's behind there? Look, you've got a gun with a missile on it. You've got an LBB painting behind you.
1: It looks like a... Is that an AT4 Spider? I'm not sure. Or, I've got or... a hot
0: dog on the table. Uh, there's a guitar behind me and a... Is there
1: just some like... Is it Vita Guerra behind me? Who's behind me? I don't know. All right, we can move on.
0: Wow, you were very uncomfortable with Ren's submission. I just don't get it. Okay, let's go to Di Stefano, uh, pronounced Di Stefano, from Chicago. Again, Did we ever talk to this person? I don't know. This past Halloween weekend, I went to a pumpkin patch with my girlfriend and my siblings. I couldn't think of a better fit for spooky season than to enjoy cider donuts with my MK Bomber yeah. that my BBL got me. Yes, I'm like Luke and understand his obsession with them. The Bomber was really comfy and kept me warm in the Midwest weather. I was even indulged with a little tip-to-tip during the pig races. On another note, thank you again for making our Vegas trip one we'll never forget for how gracious you were with your time. Oh, we met this guy in Vegas, right? Yes, we right? did. It's not every day I get to rant to someone about how wearing two old washmen is an important part of my life. Hearing two old washmen, sorry, MK all day, you know all that other stuff. Dude, those bomber jackets are legit. Love the show. Excited to see what you're going to roll out. And thanks for the cameo I made in Doc Seven. All right, let me. See, can you blow this up? I want to see this guy. Um, he looks great in that in that MK bomber jacket. He does. Yeah,
1: now, I don't quite understand the buttoning up of the shirt right to the top. You know what I'm talking about.
0: Yeah, that's not my style. Like, 1990s Coolio. Yeah, that's not my style either. But I can respect it. Is that, is that a cult Is that a where does he live? Where does he stay? Where's this guy? Some more there's fall. Oh, he's from Chicago. I was gonna say, is not a Southern California look. <clears throat> oh, the button up to the top. Yeah. yeah, I think so. All right. Well, it looks good on him. Nice hair too. This guy's really coming. He's together. well kept. He he's well put, killed, put together. So, uh, thank you, De Stefano. We're a big fan of you. Thank you. All right, let's go over to Andrew. What's up, guys? Congrats on the show. I can't wait to see you guys call a main card boxing match one day soon. Neither can we. Inshallah. Got a couple of memes for the MK crew. Hope you get a chuckle out of them. Have a great fight week.
1: (laughs) In fairness, anyone drunk falling off of a roof would get that reaction from me. Uh,
0: P.S. Tell RJ Biscuit tits to get get some Coyote Brown t-shirts up on the store so some of us vets can rep the MK under the uniform. What do you think about that,
1: Luke? Hold on. CBS executives, are you two friends? (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it would be the other way around. Yeah, I think so. I think it would Be the other so. way around. Um, but would you? But Andrew wants uh, Coyote Brown MK shirts so he can wear them under his.
1: Yeah, no, I'm not interested.
0: Military uniform? No. You, but your ex.
1: So when I first got in the Marine Corps, we would wear the old school camouflage with brown T-shirts underneath. But by the time I got out, they had switched those to green. Oh, okay. So I don't know what the, I don't know what they currently do. You big fan of RJ Biscuit Tits. <laughs> Biscuit Tits is a wonderful name.
0: Okay, let's go from A stand. A stand. Day one, donk here. First time submission. Halloween inspired me though. Keep up the good work. Love you guys. Here's my one meme.
1: MMA, MMA, MM, or I should say M Mannable corpse. MM Manable. One hammer smashed vape instead of hammer smashed face. Okay. Uh, Hitting the head with a tire iron. I, th- I don't think that's a. I don't think that's a. Uh,
0: that's a Luke yeah.
1: like. Deathosterone right. replacement therapy. There you go. Encanto is actually good. It is pretty good. Fuck you. <laughs> 49 lashes. There you go. And then Dub T Death March from the Cannibal Corpse torture album. By the way, that's that my Halloween cool. mask, which is a little bit more uh slaughter to prevail, but
0: interesting stuff there. Alan W says Michelangelo's lost fresco, MK Chapels, the creation of Tip <laughs> to Tip. <laughs>
1: Uh, I like our physiques are fairly accurate. Yeah, fairly, I don't know fairly if I'm accurate. That
0: bad, am I? I'm working on it. I don't know if I'm. That
1: bad. We're not as bad as that, but we're not much better.
0: Yeah, that guy's a couple of meals away from bitch tits, Luke. It looks like Jack Black. Yeah, it does. That means you're Kyle, and yeah, okay. In the wonder, or what, what's the what,
1: tenacious D? Right, tenacious, tenacious, tenacious D, D. Yeah,
0: uh, I've got a tenacious D, Luke.
1: No, you have a disgusting D. <laughs>
0: Uh, JP back at it here. Good day, MK crew and fans. During last week's show, BC struggled through serious tech issues causing a start time delay. Yeah, last Monday. That sucked. The gents decided to reflect back on the 93 movie The Program and question if BC was hurt or injured. Love you guys. Super look They put the life.
1: tattoo on me, on both of them. And, dude, the vape is really, I mean... <laughs> I have served up so many L's to all these people doing uh, this. I really have no one to blame.
0: Look at the tattoo they put on the arm, too, of James Caan. That is so good, Luke. It's really good. Yes, I was emotionally wounded from those tech issues. The
1: program, which is phenomenal, phenomenal. Uh, that was JP movie. from
0: Mount Unike there, uh, whatever, you, Nova Scotia. He, by the way, he has a standing offer for us to come enjoy. He lives on a lake. He has a standing offer for MK. Maybe he can win MK in your house when we do that giveaway one day.
1: And we'll never leave. We'll be trapped in his basement.
0: I'll sleep between the i t- I'll be the meat and the paquette sandwich, all right?
1: No, I'm good. All right,
0: okay. Uh, Danger Mouse here. Hi, Mikey. I don't suppose you remember the number of show where Ashley made an appearance following her boxing match? That's not Ashley. It's Courtney, oh, right? God, Jesus. All right. Um, Danger Mouse also says, Hi, BC. I'm back again after a week of MK-style technical difficulties. Speaking of those, what the F happened on Monday? Yeah, I had issues, all right? <laughs> Okay, all right.
1: <laughs> you can't say it's unfair. You just can't. No, I
0: can't. I had a bad my 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 satellite pack wouldn't work. Look. Dude, you, the Monday, we're talking about the Monday after last the Jake yeah, Oh, Monday. Lord, you were in a mood. Yeah, I was. I was losing control of my emotions. I'm sorry. Do you think Manich will forgive me? Mm-hmm. All right. Maybe. All right. Gaff took the brunt of it too. He I, did. Yeah, I'm sorry. You were, you were very mean to the Gaffney MP. Gaffney Jim, MP I love staff. you, brother. Okay. Uh, Danger Mouse says uh, another <clears throat> one just a comment on the direction the show has taken recently. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that's an indictment on our on our fines. Sp- First of all, these are very fine sponsors. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> which we need. By Although I way. did dress up like a clown for the um, for a few of these, Luke, I did do that
1: for your interview. Uh, but I got to say, this is this is also we we deserve to take L's. I mean, yeah, that's really do. what it's all about.
0: Uh, Danger Mouse also says, "I know you didn't like my Halloween meme. Well, we have a saying in Yorkshire, Yorkshire, that you have to take the rough with the smooth. So tough titties,
1: tough titties," said the kitty. The milk is all gone.
0: I'm the Duke of Doncton, Luke, apparently, because I because I bought established titles. You got a yeah. neck the size
1: of fucking Connecticut right there. Look at that. Thing.
0: What was up with Danger Mouse saying uh, Ashley in boxing match? Well, that's this guy. He's just got all his women confused.
1: You know, yeah, yeah. Ashley's getting married. She's getting week. married on Sunday. Congrats to Ashley.
0: All right. She didn't invite you. She, she, she did not invite us, no. no. I, and then we married,
1: asked her how many people at her wedding. She told us 300. Yeah. And
0: I'm like. So you were hurting for invites, huh? Yeah. I really. <laughs> she doesn't realize I could have brought Jake in the doc cam with us. We could have, like made it part of our. We should have done the wedding toast. Hey, <laughs> hey, um, and three margaritas. Oh, live to- live text from oh Manich forgives me. Live text from Manich. Bullshit! I don't believe that. I love that guy, Corey Manichi. Yeah, I love. Him. Oh, that's his government name. All right, we close with JP again. Good day, crew and fans. As the race for the Donk of the Year heats up, it is heating up. Uh, Scotland's very own established title, titles has stepped in to become the official sponsor. Love you guys. Keep up the amazing award-winning show. Okay,
1: over under. Screw this. Beast. Screw this up. You see, someone's getting tossed in five minutes. Is that has
0: Bula, TJ, and, and Liver King right there? <laughs>
1: And then that's you blowing the bagpipes And it says Adopted by the Welsh I'm the Duke of Dookie Yes, yes And then who's riding the dragon there? That's
0: J Oh, up on the That's, that's Web Scream the- That's Web Scream right there Web
1: Scream riding the dragon And Dean's riding the other one Yes And then it's J at the bottom Alan W Who's uh, Alan W? The French uh, the French sex pest What's his name again?
0: Oh, Alan Appleton. W- Oh, yeah, that's Appy David Appleton, yeah
1: Appleton And then and of Danger course Danger Mouse Danger Mouse there and then uh,
0: Alan W., yes. Okay. That
1: is fucking hilarious. By the way, once again, blowing a vape, just looking like white trash yeah. piece of shit over they there.
0: He even put his wife Dawn in the castle over there, like Rapunzel in the corner. So that's, uh, that's well well done there. This is very well done. From JP. trying, He's making his move. Appy's in this running. Um, Christian Guerro put us on his dick. Remember that? Listen, there's no advertiser we won't just
1: absolutely show. I mean, let's just be fair. Dude,
0: if if Christian Daguerreau, um we love that guy. We met him at our live show. If he ever wants us to <clears throat> coach Latori him to corner him, I'd do it with an MK doc cam
1: present. Yeah, I will tell you, like, I would never ever want to corner a fighter for a pro fight. I don't think that I am capable of doing that. I bet I could do okay in an amateur fight.
0: But bet I can do well, okay. You in could am- give him the technical advice and I'll just like massage his <clears throat> shoulders and like encourage him and shit, right? Dude,
1: I want you to be like weird with like the ice bag, just put it on his balls.
0: For Dude, no what reason. if I get like some like a needle under here? Like, fill it with TRT, and then in between rounds, okay. I'll just, like, pretend I'm massaging him, but I'm really injecting him with just, like, straight, just, you know, rocket feel. And then just, like, a little bit of meth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll lace it with fentanyl. No,
1: no. Uh, Let's remind everyone, 3 p.m. live today, so, like, in less than two hours, we're going to be right back here with a live UFC 281 pregame preview. The Iceman, Sir Charles, Chuck Mindenhall will be here. It'll be a lot of fun. And then we're going to have another live Not show, but we're going to react to today's press conference in the evening. Say his full name:
0: George Charles Mendenhall IV. Is he? He revealed that on our RSD episode
1: with him. I must have blocked that out. you block out a lot of good stuff. But, uh. Uh, all right. But, of course, reminder, Showtime.com is the label that pays. You get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can bounce morningcombat.store to get all of the merch. You heard about the email address, morningcombat at gmail.com. Thanks to all of our sponsors, Established Titles, AG1, let's see, uh, Money Lion, DraftKings, and everyone else under the sun. BC. And you Any can basketball? purchase this
0: hat at the uh, Myth.com. <clears throat> And Boston Scally, Chuck Mindenhall edition had it. It's very comfy. So purchase that as well. My final thoughts are this it's 281 Fight Week. We've already given you a lot of great stuff. Go to youtube.com/slash Combat. See my chat with Carlos Barza. See Luke's incredible lengthy sit-down with Israel out of and uh, at Shaq MMA you don't there. You have to be racist at Chuck MMA there on Twitter on YouTube to check out all of his great content as well CBSsports.com we got a lot of good stuff coming at you this week it's UFC 281 fight week and MK is here it's we are in this bitch and we are going to impregnate this um
1: we're going to facebook this fight week <laughs> <laughs> all right with that in mind, show's over. Brian Campbell, Luke <gasps> Thomas. Oh, by the way, thanks to the MK crew for obviously everything that they're going to do this week. Big shouts to the crew yesterday. Great job, Brandon. Great job, Jake. Great job, yeah. everyone. Ash, who, who scouted the location and got it there. Uh, everyone involved, thank I you talk, so much. You
0: talked tats with Tristan.
1: Talk. Well, he wasn't there yesterday, but okay. I talked tats with him in, uh, in, he in Arizona. He should have been hired as security. In Arizona. And then he told me he was going to kill us all later. In the <laughs> flesh. I was like, that seems a little strong. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you see know, him? He's like, yeah, yeah, that's great. <laughs>
1: there that's he is, great, sitting yeah. in the corner like a weirdo.
0: He's Dressed in camo,
1: though I, like, I, I, I can
0: I couldn't see him. <laughs> I couldn't see. This him. is this is the uh, wartime. He's over uh, here. He's over yes, here. Yes, this is the wartime consigliere that we deserve. All that's right,
1: trick- that's it. That's it for us today. Join us right back here in a couple of
2: hours, 3 p.m. Chuck Mindenhall. 281 pregame preview. Luke Thompson, see really MK. Yeah, we're out.